We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 386. Today, we're brought to you by Indochino, Harry's, Roman, and Mack Weldon. Four awesome companies for a jam-packed episode. We're going to be talking about the new super nerd pitching coach that they hired, plus all of our GM plans. Scott, what is up? What's up, man? A lot of. Uh, I'm glad we got some news for the for the uh, pitching coach stuff. That's cool. This is an interesting. Probably in, in line with what we both imagined what was going to happen as far as the pitching coach. Um, but then the GM plans were fun, man. Nick and I really got into it and uh, spent a good amount of time on them and had some fun with it. So I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, you talked about time. So this year we did a little something different and we recruited a couple of people from the website. So Frank and Nick are both writers on the website. Frank has appeared on the, the podcast a couple of times and uh, Nick has not. So this will be his first time. But last year it was just sort of you and me crafting our own plans with Dom and Tyler, but they weren't really involved in talking about them. So we figured bring people on yeah. to talk about it. But so Frank at a certain point this week, because we had like a whole spreadsheet, we had notes going and he goes, dude, do you do this for every episode? This is a <laughs> lot of work. I'm like, no, not quite this in depth for every episode. Yeah. Not, I'm like, not- I'm researching salary, like salaries for 2020 and like what it means if we cut like a million dollars here and all this kind of stuff. Oh, I got two sheets of a spread. I got two sheets on a, a file within uh, Google 
uh, Google Sheets, you know, Excel. And it's got the entire 40-man roster. It's got all the players that we're looking at. It's got all of the um, positions, their age, their total contract, average salary, 2020 contract, 2021 contract, and when they're going to be a free agent. So we're, we're getting into this, and, we, and we'll, I think we'll, we construct these, uh, thinking about what's happening in the future, what's happening now. And, you know, I know one of the things that we uh, that we talked about last year as far as, like, kind of the outline and, and – I followed the same guidelines and I just kind of assume you did. We didn't even really say anything to each other, but you know, almost playing GM, but also trying to be in the shoes of what they possibly could do and not going outlandish or staying exactly. within reason. And like all, all, having Brian Cashman on the back of your mind as well. Like, so we can, tr- you know, you're, you're trying to predict what he's going to do at the same time. You're trying to do what you would do if you were in his shoes. So, so I wouldn't call this is not what I predict the Yankees to do, but this is what I think you I could get if I were the GM, Hal Steinbrenner to agree to, if that right. makes sense. Yeah, yeah, because you do it within a framework. He's not I it's easy to play GM and then say, Well, sign Garrett Cole and sign Steven Strasburg and trade for this guy and acquire this guy and then build a super all star team. It's like, well, that's right. not realistic. This isn't this isn't video games. This isn't fantasy baseball. So I tried to, like you just said, do what I would do, but in a realistic framework. And um, so, yeah, we're going to, th- those are going to be later in the show. Frank and I's part will be first and then you and Nick's part. And then you and I will, will chat about it, yelling at each other about why we hate each other's plans. And, and just, just quickly on more detail on that. We, we've recorded separately. You recorded with Frank, right. uh, did like a one-on-one breakdown of what you guys were, were doing and how you were thinking and like what your thought process was. Um, both did about 20, 25 minutes. And then Nick and I did the same thing uh, separately. So we'll have two separate conversations. So we're going to have lots of different pieces of the show uh, kind of blending together. Well, now that it, the, it's the off season and the news, the baseball news is just, it's like a slow drip, right? Because yeah. you gotta, you, it's going to be maybe a two hour episode today or an hour and a half episode today, but that's okay. It'll last people a whole week. It's yeah. weird when we, when we pressed, when we got on to talk, it's like, damn, I haven't, I haven't talked to you in this podcast setting in a while. I know, a, week, I know, a week feels a lot longer than every three or four days. And, and quick shout out to our, um, to our, our, our new podcast family, which we're, we've joined, obviously, uh, Blue Wire Podcasts and Greg who is now editing our show uh, on the back end. So he's got a lot of pieces to put together. He's going to earn his money's worth today. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So the Yankees hired Matt Blake, 33-year-old. I call him super nerd. Because when you think about this guy's trajectory, in 2015, he was the pitching coach for the Lincoln Sudbury Regional High School in Massachusetts. Yep. And My my good friend played lacrosse there. He's the pitching coach for the freaking New York Yankees now, less than five years later. That is... A meteoric rise, like you read about. You know, you're seeing it in 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 baseball on the back end when you're looking at the um, the analysis. I mean, the head of uh, I'm, I'm drawing a blank on his name, but um, he's a head of the uh, pitching research for MLB or pitching analytics or whatever it is. But he does a lot of data analysis and data visualization stuff too. This guy's a computer programmer that was doing very different things a couple of years ago, and then all of a sudden, you know, it started getting into this niche. And, and turning all the baseball data that was available into, you know, consumable bits of information for baseball, for the teams. And, and these guys, you know, they, they move, they, they jump verticals. They go to a different industry and, they, and now they're in baseball because they were analysts or, or, you know, nerds working numbers for some other company. And now they're doing it for baseball because it's, it's kind of a new field. Because 
it doesn't matter once once the numbers are in a spreadsheet on the computer. They're just numbers. It doesn't matter if those numbers are talking to you about bank accounts or they're talking to you about pitch spin rate. They're just right. numbers. Right. So they just they just found a bunch of really intelligent people. These teams. I was talking about this with somebody at my office and he was asking he's a Mets fan. And he's uh, he's a little bit older, so he's a little bit more old school. And he's just saying, like, how do you feel about us? Because Beltron was hired, and I said this is a good hire. Like, I think the Mets got a like, I think I think Beltron was a good hire for the Mets. And he was like, well, well, how do you feel about all these analytics? I'm like, listen, if there's one thing all of the teams that are good right now in baseball have in common, it's that they believe in analytics. You can argue about how much they should be investing in it and how much they should be running their entire operation. But all of the good teams in baseball invest some energy and money and resources in a analytics. good amount of energy, a good amount of energy and money and time in, in analytics. All of the good teams in baseball. So I broke this down on my Twitter uh, and I, I sent out a tweet about the two different types of nerds because I think this is a very big distinction. You talked about um, having Matt Blake as the 33 super nerd. I, I'm not going there yet because two different types of nerds. One nerd, Frank, the guy that you dealt, you got that, that guy, that is nerd central talking about numbers, all about the numbers, nothing else. That's the only thing that matters. Numbers, numbers, numbers. And like, like pushing up the glasses, tape on the middle of the glasses. And, and then you have number two type of nerd who I, I kind of classified as like, you know, a lot of them are ex-athletes or fringe athletes that wanted to be athletes, just weren't very good, but understood what they were doing, but couldn't actually put it together on the field or the court or whatever. And these guys are more about the technology and they use the technology to, um, you know, to formulate different spins on, to different grips on the hand, different arm angles, different, you know, different things that they're doing with their body and, and formulate these, um, these guys and tweak their mechanics and, and everything they're doing to make them more defined and get the best that they can possibly be out of themselves. Very different types of nerds, the numbers, nerds, all about the math. The other side, the technology nerds, these guys are using what's happening now in current technology and making them uh, and applying it to the player itself physically, like actually having them do it, reviewing it, tweaking, going back and, and be a process like that. So it's it's a very different type of nerd. Well, I think the nerd, the second nerd that you just described is in charge of the just just the math nerd because they can distill whatever the 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 computer output spits out, they can then take that information and actually apply it to making a smart baseball decision. Well, but here's the thing, like there's different, there's also the, the, the math nerds, like you're talking about, yes, you're talking about having the math nerd, the math nerd is there in the background. At some point. Yeah, they're all there. They're all yeah. like, they're all just in cubicles running the operation. More, more what I'm scenes. talking to is like these guys, the, the nerd number two is more about development. Okay, of like a player. What Whereas the other one, nerd number two is someone you can see yourself drinking a beer with in a bar and thousand percent, to, and like nerd, fi- and like getting getting down some like deep nerd na- rabbit, rabbit holes. holes. Yeah, but but not just like well, his WRC plus was yes. one thirty seven and his was one thirty five, so that means he is a better player over the exactly. They're the not making in game. Yeah. They're not making in game decisions based on the numbers. I mean, they're probably well, influenced. they are they're influenced they're, by that, but but that's not their specialty because his specialty is not that. Matt Blake's specialty is not that. It's, he's got other nerds. He's got a team of, he has a team of nerds that, that are all about Super the numbers. Super nerds assemble. Wearing, yeah, wearing like, you know, they're pinstripe all, tape. They're all on wearing their, capes. Pinstripe, pinstripe tape, I like that. I pinstripe tape that on the glasses. glasses. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, and, and that's what they're doing. They're breaking things down for him. But 
I like the fact that this guy is just like, you know, he's very observant. Like, I feel like these guys are very observant and they can take that data. This is what Lindsay Adler and I were talking about that's so important. Being able to take that data, understanding that data, and then actually telling them, the players, in a way that's meaningful and that they'll, they will understand, relate, and be able to, um, to actually perform. That's a huge quality. And using the video technology to really break down these mechanics and the spin efficiency. And it's not just at the Yankees level. They made an entire pitching overhaul as far as their pitching coaches and pitching teams. Like up and down the organization. This is clearly an organizational new strategy. We're implementing this from the top down everyone's going to be on the same page. So when a guy goes from rookie ball to single A to double A to triple A to the majors, he has had experience getting mechanical tweaks and different uh, reports and stuff all from the same thing. It's not just like, oh, not only are you now a major league pitcher, but now here's a friggin' book full of new information you have to learn. No, he's going to know that information from day one. Well, yeah, and they're they're a machine too. So now they're now they're going through a process that that has to do. I'm and I'm sure they're putting guys in different buckets on, on who they think they can be, where they need to uh, improve, and and that and then they're getting you know, I see that it's like dot matrix, the 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 old dot matrix with the the holes on the side, and the long ass the long, the long ass piece. Yeah, yeah, the, like the long yeah. ass sheets of paper. And it's just, you know, just, they just have like a book of paper. No, it's on a, it's actually on an iPad now, but they're, they're going through and finding out where they need to improve, how they need to improve. And, and it's all these, uh, all these different machines now are breaking everything down. It's like that side of everything, that whole side of the analytics to me is very interesting. And when you look at who, like, um, Blake, I started looking through his, um, Twitter account and stuff like that. He's one of the old school guys that was nerding out on Twitter about pitching mechanics. And there was a whole big group of these guys that have been doing it for a while. I've been following that little like pocket. I've been more of a, a lurker, but I've definitely been following that since I was coaching in little league, because a lot of these guys, there was a lot of information online. Um, that's where I got the whole inverted W thing from. And, and, you know, looking at the, the different types of injuries, the reason, part of the reason, part of my, part of my medical degree is from this. Um, well, it's funny you mentioned Blake, uh, Blake on Twitter. I didn't even know he was on Twitter when I tweeted this. I just saw the news of Matt Blake, and I immediately tweeted this. I said, Dear Matt Blake, enjoy this time. You're the new genius Cashman and his team deem worthy of being the Yankees pitching coach. From now until about April 10th, Yankees fans are on your side. Then Tanaka will have a bad start, and everyone will want you fired. And he liked the tweet. Oh, nice. <laughs> I just find it funny that he was like searching his name. And, and just came across that and liked it. You have been warned, Matt Blake. <laughs> no, it's cool. I mean, like, so when you when you see the, the type of stuff, it's, it's interesting because a lot of different things. One, he has zero pitching coach experience. Zero. He's never been in the dugout as a pitching coach. That's a thing. Now we have in-game decisions based on, based on what? Based on the relationship with the player, knowing the player, knowing what the situation is, knowing the analytics of a situation. So it'll be very interesting to see how that works out. Obviously, there's powers that be that are making decisions. Um, he'll be an influence. He'll be able to see, hopefully, certain things that you know may not be going well at a certain time. But um, you know, I, I don't know how much that the really job's takes not. Into I play. mean, it's not going to be it's like di- it's a different job than it used to be. Anyway, but it's also just not. It's not like oh, here, Matt Blake. Here are fifteen pitchers you are now responsible for. Like he's going to have a team. Oh, for sure. So. Yes, it's a big change. He's going to be in the dugout with Boone and the rest of the coaches talking to these guys. And he's 33 years old. Like, I don't think 
that's friggin' young to be a pitching coach of a major league baseball team. Right? I'm 31, so this guy's two years older than me, and he's going to be in the dugout making sure James Paxton is mechanically sound. And he's going to be in the bullpen watching Luis Severino warm up, hopefully on time. And he's going to be making sure that like Zach Britton is not you know, doing something that is causing his sinker to be high and away. So it is such a crazy amount of responsibility for a 33-year-old who has never actually been a pitching coach at any level other than high school. <laughs> yeah. and Because uh, he was with the Indians. He was their pitching coordinator. And then he rose up through the ranks, assistant of pitching development in 2016. Right? He's had all these, like, different responsibilities and different titles, but never the guy. Never the guy in the dugout. Yeah. So he's, but he's been on well, different when teams, different, scout, coach, different scouting, different things like that. This is why I made that tweet because it was a joke, obviously. But the fact of the matter is, at a certain point this year, idiot fans will be calling for Matt Blake to be fired. Sure. Because he has that, that is, much influence. That is part of what you, when you take the job as pitching coach or hitting coach Anything. or manager, that yeah. is what comes with the job. That is part of the job description. Get yelled at by fans. Yeah. Um, yes, absolutely. And he's on Twitter too. So he'll get the worst of it. Yeah. The, I got the, the dumbest, so Boone's the dumbest on Twitter too. I gotta have, I have a feeling Boone has muted notifications and I think Matt Blake will be muting notifications pretty soon. Yeah, probably. But you know, I think that, I, I think that when you look at who the, uh, the new, the new guy in charge of Yankees pitching and from driveline, you're seeing that influence. Now he's basically now getting the keys to the, to the, uh, the entire machine, the entire engine saying, this is I got to bring in my guys now. I got to bring in all these guys. And and um, Blake came from Cressy, which is another uh, Eric Cressy is a another guy that that has been in training and a lot of stuff online too. A lot of online stuff uh, for for this guy that has uh, been involved. You know, I've I've followed Cressy for years with with his stuff too. So it's super interesting to see where these guys are and and how they've come up because a lot of it has been pretty much documented online. And these guys, they do the same thing. They get into arguments about pitching mechanics. Go back. It's, it's super it's, No, yeah, it's interesting. when you mentioned that, I, Just I keep going back scroll and, down his timeline. Yeah, you go back into 2015, 2016, he was really involved uh, and very active. And a lot of the guys that I follow as well um, that, that he would you know interact with. And you could see a lot of interactions with, with the driveline guys. And so it's all they're, they're all a very tight-knit little group. You know Whether they work for each other or not, there was definitely a lot of communication between uh, between the, the that that particular group, and now we're seeing these guys rise to the major league uh, ranks and be in charge of all the pitching. So, and this is exactly the type of hire I thought they were going to make. Like yeah, David Cohn was rumored, and he went in for an interview. He called it an interesting interesting process. I'm sure that's just a nice way of saying I have no shot at getting this job, but I'm David Cohn, so they they brought me in. But I knew it was going to be someone like Matt Blake, who none of us have ever heard of, who is so far deep into these different, like you just described, pitching, all the new, the new wave of pitching management, versus David Cohn, who's a face and a name, who's also yeah. smart. And who knows, who knows it on the surface who knows level. He knows a little bit, he knows but he doesn't go shit. as deep as these guys. And that was so very clear. There are so but many people that were... scratching the surface of this stuff, like you said. Absolutely. He's, he's able to talk about it a little bit online, uh, on, on TV. And, you know, I'm sure he knows more than that. Sound bites on TV make David Cohn sound brilliant. To everybody who doesn't know what they're talking about. Yes. But when you're, (laughs) and when you. But next to Matt Blake, he'd be like, I don't know. This guy's talking circles around me with this stuff. Probably. I mean, I'm sure Cohn knows a hell of a lot more, but he's got to keep relatively layman terms for, you know, the TV audience as well, because there aren't a lot of people that that really go down these rabbit holes. But the thing is, he would lose a lot of the audience if. Matt Blake, Matt Blake was, was the hire. 
it could have been any one of those people that they had interviewed and it would have been the same thing for all of us. Yeah. There's 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 not really much of a difference. So you're looking at the guy, are we looking at the pedigree? Like maybe, I guess. We're looking at Cleveland's pitching staff, like how much actual influence did he have on all of those guys? Probably not a ton, but I'm sure he worked with them at some point. He's picked well, up Trevor from Bauer them. tweeted out that Yeah, he's worked great, with them, but he wasn't like his hire. guy. No. He's worked with these people and he he understands the process. He under, he's been taught by them. He's he's been um, you know, within that the process and in the room of a lot of uh, different places, and he's pushed that forward. So, it, it it could have been a lot of different people. It was this guy because for whatever reason they liked him. They liked his other attributes, I'm sure, too: communication, being able to uh, relate to a player and translate, you know, this information, which is essentially algebra, <laughs> to a player and and making it, you know, useful and and have them be able to absorb it. So. We'll see how it works out. That's that's really the, there's no other way to say let's just see how it works out because you can't have a judgment on this guy at this no, point. No, of course not. If if someone's bitching about this, they're just bitching because they wanted David Cohn to be. Hired. They're bitching about the direction if they're bitching about it. Well, they wanted if they're bitching. I about think this, that's they an if, old if you've guy. been paying attention to baseball for the last three or four years, this is exactly the direction you should want the Yankees to be going in. It's the direction that the Houston Astros went in and look at their pitching staff. It's the the direction of the Indians, obviously, and the Indians have churned out great starting pitchers and great pitchers like yeah. this is this is the direction we should want the yankees to be going in a lot of cincinnati reds uh influence in there too you're starting to see that there's a big vanderbilt connection yeah. with, with all these guys too um well i'm not gonna no, say it, i'm not gonna say the name i but. won't either but uh, that, that's why he's there the uh but no the whole thing is is i think going to be very interesting it's the next it's the next this is what's happening. This is this is how baseball. It is was going. the final. I like because that Rothschild the was the holdover, right? Rothschild was the holdover. Yeah. This is the final step, I think. Yeah, Mike Harkey's still there though. He's the glue. Har- what? Harkey's been there like forever, forever. That's what. So Adler and I were talking about this. We're like, I mean, CC's retiring. Rothschild's now gone. Mike Harkey's got to stay, right? Like, there's nothing wrong with the bullpen. He's really good on those phone calls. He knows how to answer him. He knows how to call him. The players' weekend is basically is, is that's the funniest part is the um not CC jersey, to me. Yeah, got to keep got to keep Harkey. Yeah, the bull, right exactly. The bullpen's been the best bullpen in baseball for the last three seasons. Yeah, and what's what's like you know part of the job out there is to keep things loose, keep things good. I feel like Harkey does a good job out there. And hopefully they can get a little bit more length out there out of their starting pitching with this new strategy and Matt Blake and everything. And then the bullpen's going to have to be relied on less and less as we go forward, but it's still going to yeah. be a strength. It'll just be very interesting to see how the nerds, how they, how they are in one room, because if we're trying to use the, the nerd number two to get length and get him deeper into games, how is nerd number one going to feel about that? It's like when thing this guy one and thing two, nerd one and nerd two. Yeah. When this guy's trying to go through a, you know, a lineup for a third time, because that's how he's built. You know, I, I'm telling you, the nerds are gonna fight at some point. There's gonna be a there's gonna be a slap fight. There's gonna be a there's gonna be a lot of a lot of like hair pulling and spitting and like. But weird see, there wouldn't actually happen. be any physical altercation. It would just Might be, be really high highbrow highbrow insults. It's like uh, it's Costanza and 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 Jerry fighting, uh, you know, yeah. after softball. That's 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 the fight. It's a slap fight. The Yankees did not offer Didi Gregorius the qualifying offer, but they still might 
re-sign him. I'm sure they're going to have a meeting with him. And when Didi shows up to that meeting, I bet he's wearing an Indochino suit. Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. They make suits, shirts, coats, and more. And everything is made to your exact measurement for a great fit. Plus, you get to personalize all the details, including your lapel, lining, and your own monogram. RJ Barrett also is an Indochino guy. I don't know if you knew this, but the, the pink suit he was rocking at the draft, that was an Indochino. And his new collection just dropped, featuring limited edition fabrics and jacket linings RJ helped pick out and design. The process is simple. You just choose your fabric, pick your customizations, and submit your measurements. Your package will be delivered straight to your door in two weeks. You can get measured and design your suit at your nearest Indochino showroom or do it all yourself online at Indochino.com if you know your measurements. Right now, you can get $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com when entering Blue Wire at checkout. Plus, you get free shipping. One more time, that's Indochino.com, promo code BLUEWIRE, one word, BLUEWIRE, for $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more. Okay, there was some other news with the Yankees other than Matt Blake and uh, the qualifying offer. So they did not give uh, Batances, Gardner, or Didi the qualifying offer. And Gardner and Batances make sense. Didi, I think, came as a little bit of a surprise. It was a $17.8 million qualifying offer, but I think a few things on this. It shows that they were maybe a little scared he would take it. It shows they might just, this might be an early indication that we're moving on from Didi and we've got other plans. But it also does help Didi. This makes Didi's uh, more attractive on the free agent market because he does no not pick. come with a compensation pick. Yeah. So they could still re-sign Didi. I could still see it happening. I think it's going to have to be on the Yankees' terms, so it's up to Didi how badly he wants to be here. But now, if Didi's going to a new team, he might get a little bit extra because of the, the non no pick. You also might get more teams involved that... That, that have hard stances on those on those picks too and where they're going. Um, it's it's such, it picks so so I much. Know, that's, that's what I'm thinking. That, that's what I'm saying. It's a it's an interesting situation now for Didi, and you know I, I don't want to repeat the the things that we've said because we've recorded these in different pieces. But um, that's what's there's so much of this that goes into into Didi into all of these guys that that did not get the qualifying offers. Didi especially when you look at the comps and you look at what the the contracts are uh, at the different shortstops around the league. You know, you're looking at some of the guys that make the most money at around 20. You're looking at, uh, there's a number in there. It's between it's between where that arbitration number is and, and around 20 million dollars. And if not arbitration, see, qualifying offer. I'm sorry, qualifying offer. If you see the him qualifying there, offer is calculated. 17.9. It's it's around 18. No, no, no. But it's calculated based on like the top 20 contracts, an average yeah. of the top 20 contracts, or something like that. So you're 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 talking about a guy that's gonna potentially um, get. The high, I, I'm talking ceiling as far as what you would get on the open market for a longer term contract, and I'm not sure he would get that. Uh, so you're paying a lot more for one for one year of a guy, uh, whereas if you were to resign him, you're probably looking. I think when when Nick and I talked about this, we were around 14, somewhere around there, 13, 14 for. But it's going to three to four year deal. Yeah, it's going to require a multi year deal, and I just. <clears throat> But then the again, Yankees, you also look at the, the contracts that have been that have been doled out to shortstops. Not many of them are three to four year. You, they're longer term deals now. You're, you're, there just aren't, there aren't very many guys like Didi that have hit the open market. It just sucks for it doesn't Didi happen often that his free agency came now and not like a year ago. And I know even a year ago he had the the Tommy John surgery. 
But I think the Yankees were in a different place with their shortstop situation a year ago than they were now. Because I couldn't fathom at the end of 2018, Didi not being a Yankee for the next five seasons. Couldn't yeah. fathom it. And now it's very clear a, a way where they're not going to re-sign him. When you look at the competition on the market, though, and you look at where he is, it's not a bad situation for on, uh, as far as the landscape. Yes, it, it wasn't obviously the year he wanted to, uh, to to come out to free agency based on performance on the field. But if you're looking at competition, you're looking at people who are you know have money to spend. Not a bad year as far as that goes. And we've seen second tier free agents, which is what I would categorize Didi as, actually benefit from this sort of new market environment where they get snatched up first because the team's like, well, we're not in on the top guy, but we're going to go after Didi, second tier guy, get him done with, and we're going to move on. Yeah. That, that's kind of been, that's kind of been. As far as shortstops go, as far as shortstops go, he's the guy. No, I know, but just caliber of player on the free agent market right now, there's better players on the free agent sure, market right but now. he's a very, very niche fit. I mean, you got to have, if you need a shortstop, Didi's, Didi's the best one out there right now. So that's a good thing for him. Yeah. And um, the team, the players that did receive, so Garrett Cole received a, co- a qualifying offer, obviously. So there'll be a, a compensation pick if the Yankees sign Cole. If they sign Zach Wheeler, too, who's, I, I think, the other pitcher that's really rumored, or just being connected to the Yankees. Strasburg has not been connected as much to the Yankees because my opinion is if you're going to spend for Strasburg, just spend a little extra for Cole. And Bumgarner, I think people have finally moved on from Bumgarner. What are yeah. you smiling? What are you smirking at? Because it, I, I think it's funny because if you signed Cole, I feel like I feel like if they sign one of them, they're going to go after both of them. It's just how just I feel well, like if you okay. if you're Giancarlo Stanton standing on the side of the street, he's he wants both. Yeah, I know, but my point is is that I think one's going to break the luxury bank, so so you bank. might you might as well just sign everybody. Let's 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 go. Let's get let's, nuts. Let's let's get crazy. Well, I just cannot wait for the Yankees to not sign Garrett Cole and then it be reported by one of the beat reporters that like, well, the Yankees were not crazy about having to give up the compensation pick to to sign Garrett Cole. Yeah, or it was a, it was under a, under a million dollar uh, difference, but Cashman had a hard line. Yeah, Cashman had a hard line at two hundred and and fifteen million dollars. He wouldn't <laughs> budge. It's like, nope. once you're spending that kind of money, who friggin' cares, man? But, yeah, but so I mean, it, uh, not not my money. Easy to talk about, but but from a like you said, from a breaking the luxury tax standpoint. Yeah, it's like once you broke it, you broke it. That's my point. Yeah, if you go over so, it, if you're there and you're beyond that, the two forty eight, right? That's the the top number. Two forty eight is the top penalty, which when when it really gets steep, they were over the second picks. penalty. So yeah, the, I love how also people are like, oh, the Yankees are cheap. Well, they were over the second penalty in two thousand nineteen. Yeah, they. Absolutely. But I I think it's pretty clear, and it's clear in both of our GM plans. We tried to stay under that top penalty because that's what I think they're doing. That's what Absolutely. I think. I, mean, I think if there is a mandate as far as payroll goals goes, I think there is a mandate from Steinbrenner. It's under 248. That's your that's your mandate. You have to be under there. And part of that is also it's not just being at like 247.9. You got to be flexible because that leaves you no room to acquire a player at the, at the deadline or just move stuff around and these numbers can change because you can always trade a player at the deadline, right? Or you can you can do different things to offload salary. But you've got to be a few million underneath 
before the, the season starts because everything's calculated at the end of the year. It's an end of the year number. That's why you're looking at what the Red Sox did last year. And they were up against it. I mean, they were up against that, that tax threshold. And you knew they weren't going to go over it. So they were not going to improve that team. Well, they did. They, were they just, went over the top. Not the year. top one. No, they did not. They didn't? No. Well, do you we've, know we've already, had, we've already had this. We've had this, this, this conversation. Yeah, yeah. They, they, they went over the second. They did not go over the last Sorry. one. And they were up against it. They were up against it. Well, now with, they're talking about getting under the base. They, oh, absolutely. They're going to go. Their, their organization is changing right now. Um, and they're, and they're so pissed that J.D. Martinez opted in because they were banking on that, like $24 million coming off the books. And now they're talking mm-hmm. about having to trade. I've been listening to uh, Boston Radio about it, and they're saying that they might need to trade Mookie Betts plus another young player just to get somebody to take Mookie, like Mookie Betts' contract. It's crazy what they're talking about. Yeah, I don't know what's happening up there, but it's fine. I hope it all blows up and, and everything goes bad. And the Dodgers better not come near the Boston Red Sox in, in any capacity. I, I don't trust them. Well, the I don't Dodgers want them. might want to get under too because they're, they've been the top spending team the last decade pretty much and have fallen short. There's, yeah, I mean, they're still loaded. They should be able to, they should be able to compete again. Either way, um, so, yeah, a lot, of, a lot of players, but DD was a, was a big deal. So the final thing I want to talk about uh, before we get to our GM plans is the awards. And DJ did not finish as a finalist for MVP. The finalists were Trout, Bregman, and Simeon. Do you care? Because a lot of Yankee fans care. You know, at the end of the day, I don't. I know who DJ LeMahieu is in my heart. And, uh, and I, I just... That's, that's my, that's that's my, my quarterback. Guy. That's, my, that's, that's my, my MVP. That's my first baseman slash second baseman slash third baseman. I, I just uh, I don't care that much because I knew he wasn't going to get it, so I don't care if he's in the top. The, the, when you look at Simeon's numbers and you look at LeMahieu's numbers, a really good season. You you could make an argument either way. So, um, you know, whatever well, it doesn't matter. They, exactly they pick three. So the I think Trout's going to get it, but I think it's really between Trout and Bregman. So LeMahieu was never going to get it. So when you're arguing between should LeMahieu finish, because maybe LeMahieu will finish fourth when the final ballot comes out, right? And Simeon third. It's a, lo- a, a problem is a lot of the writers are voting on just stats only because they don't watch these guys play every day. So stats only, Simeon has LeMahieu beat in a lot of categories. A lot of key categories he has LeMahieu beat. We know LeMahieu's value to the team. We watched what he did for the Yankees. But maybe Simeon did that for the A's. I didn't watch many Oakland A's games. I only watched the Oakland A's games that the Yankees played. Right. And I, I've seen, I know he had a good year, but I also remember him being like one of, the, if not the worst shortstop in the league. Like the guy, I just remember, I just. No, he had I, positive I, defensive value though. I know, I know, but I'm just telling you what I know, what I think of. When I think of, when I think of uh, Marcus Simeon, I think of balls flying over the first baseman into the, into the, into the crowd. Do you know why I think also Simeon He was so from... bad. He was so bad. Maybe this is a good thing for Cliff Frazier. Maybe Cliff Frazier could look at, at Marcus Simeon and be like, you know what? I the can rags do that to riches story. So I think Simeon Dang. benefits from the best third baseman in baseball, Matt Chapman, defensively. Oh, yeah, because he doesn't have to go that far into the hole? Yeah, less Probably. to do. Yeah, you're right. I think, uh, I mean, he was, I think so, late... he was so fundamentally bad, though. Like, that's one of the areas where you see fundamentals that are just terrible. And you're like, if you could just clean these fundamentals up, similar to Andujar, the, 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 um, the difference would be unbelievable. If you could just clean up some of these fundamentals. Just quickly on defense. Did you read uh, Max's article about Andujar? 
and yes. and he mentioned Matt Chapman has like a he makes seventy percent of rarely made plays or something like yeah. that. Yeah, it's the crazy. guy's a vacuum. The guy's it's a crazy. Seventy percent of the time he makes a play that less than ten percent of the league makes. Yeah, I like that. That's a seventy percent of the time it works every time. So that's every one time. of those. That's one of those stats. All right, let's get into our GM plans. Guys, humans have been shaving for thousands of years. And the secret to a good shave, well, it has not changed much. The ancient Greeks did not have flex balls or heated handles, and neither do you. That's why Harry's doesn't overcharge for any of those gimmicky features to their razors. They focus on delivering what actually matters, sharp, durable blades at a fair price. I use Harry's to get the nice clean shave around my beard. It's essential to having a nice clean look, and I love the fact that I don't have to think about it. It comes when I tell them to send the razors. It's it's on my schedule. It works for me very well. Harry's is a return to the essential. Quality, durable blades at a fair price. $2 per blade. That's it. They've cut out the middleman. Manufacturing blades in their German blade factory that's honing precision blades for a century. These guys know what they're doing, which means you get an incredibly high quality blade at factory direct prices, and it's convenient. You do it on your schedule. That's the beauty. You don't love your shave, you tell them and they'll give you a free refund. Huge, huge value there because if you don't like it, they'll give you your money back. Listeners of the Bronx Pinstripe Show can redeem their Harry's trial set at harrys.com slash bluewire. You get a weighted ergonomic handle for a firm grip, five blade razor with lubricating strip and trimmer blade, rich lathering gel with aloe to keep your skin hydrated and a travel blade to cover your razor and keep it dry and easy to grab on the go. Go to harrys.com slash blue wire to start shaving better today. All right. Joining the podcast is Frank Marco. He's making his triumphant return after the, after the A's wildcard game was the last time that you were on the show. Do you remember anything you said or were you too inebriated? Uh, I remember being very excited about the Aaron judge home run and us dominating that game. That was, was your pretty, first was playoff game. A, that that was my first playoff game. Of course, we topped that with, uh, you know, the twin series uh, this year, the LDS. But um, yeah, that was my first playoff game. Yeah, maybe we just leave it at the twin series and don't mention anything, <laughs> anything else. Yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> so it's two yeah, years yeah. in a row you came to the playoffs and slept on my couch. Is is 2020? That's gonna right. Be, is 2020 going to be a third year in a row? Uh, maybe I'll get a hotel this time. You know, it was kind of last <laughs> minute, but uh, you know, it, it turned out all right. So I recruited you to be on my team because you are a self-proclaimed baseball nerd. I believe in your Twitter bio, you said you're a sabermetrician or a guru or some combination of all, all two of both of those. (laughs) But uh, you and I do see eye to eye on a lot of things. And I know Scott was uh, on his team was Nick Kirby, who's a writer for Bronx Pinstripe. So the way this is going to work, you know, I don't know who's, who's going first. They already recorded theirs. I don't know if theirs has already been played on the episode, but you and I are going to run down what our plans are for the 2020 Yankees. And then they're going to run down their plans. And then Scott and I are going to argue with each other. Why yeah. each of he's going to say why our plan sucks. And I'm going to tell him why their plan sucks. He's going to say, Hey, my plan's better because this guy has a lot of RBIs and you're going to say, exactly. well, RBIs are nothing anymore. Pretty much. So, yes. and I just or realized like that. that you've, this is now your third episode of this podcast because you were on that round table shit show of oh, an episode right. at spring training. That's that's correct. We'll have to try to do that again this year, maybe a little bit more organized. All right. So from a high level, <laughs> our plan is, you know, it's pretty simple because uh, even though this team has failed to get to the World Series for 10 straight years, like they don't need a whole hell of a lot. Gosh, 
That is a long time. But anyway, sorry. Don't you agree though? Like the the team is pretty much there's like the most of the roster, most of the team is set. We're we're making a few minor tweaks and a, a couple of big acquisitions. Well, one major acquisition um, in Garrett Cole, not to bury the lead. We're signing Garrett Cole. And yeah, I mean, if Scott doesn't sign Garrett Cole for some I stupid mean, reason, yeah. It's it, there's certain pitchers that come across. Uh, Sabathia was one of them in 2009, and I think Garrett Cole is one of them again for this year. That you just pony up the money for. I mean, the Yankees they have been trying to do this, you know, where we have mediocre starting pitching or league average starting pitching, and then making up for it with a fantastic bullpen. We've been trying to do this for the last, you know, two or three years, and we've fallen short every time. And I think part of the reason is because we don't have that one guy that just goes out and steals you a game in a playoff series. And, you know, the Astros had two of those guys. I think that's, you know, one of the reasons we lost that series. But, you know, I mean, obviously Garrett Cole would be one of those guys that you lean on to, to win you two games in a playoff series when you absolutely need to win them. Yes. So we'll get into what his contract is in a little bit and I'll, and I'll try and break down the payroll as best as possible. We're just doing it for 2020 though. I got a popsicle headache trying to think about like the 2021 and future future salary payroll of the Yankees. So it's not our money, man. Don't worry about that. This is all fake phony play money. We're also re-signing Brett Gardner. That's just simple. The Yankees because of Hicks injury need Brett Gardner in the outfield. And we're resigning Austin Romide. I tried to convince myself that Higgy could be the backup, but there's not a whole hell of a lot of metrics or anything really that say Higgy can be a competent backup catcher. I mean, he probably could. I mean, the reality is Austin Romine's going to cost you a few million bucks. And Gary Sanchez always goes down once or twice a year for a couple of weeks at a time. And then Austin Romine gets extended playing time and he plays pretty well. So, I mean, in the South, Andrew, we have this saying, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So, I mean... That's a Southern I, I'm, saying? I'm pretty sure that's just a... Maybe that's just a universal a common saying. sense human saying. Yeah, I mean, I, either either way, I think... Uh, Can you, know, you say it a, with a Southern drawl? If it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah. That's I don't actually good. talk about that, so... <clears throat> Sometimes. When you when you get a couple <laughs> beers in you, you start you start with the y'alls. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I, yeah, I've moved on from the you guys. You guys? Yeah, like when I was up there, I would say, oh. hey, you guys. You know, that's like a northern thing to say, but they don't say that down here. Use? Who says use? So anyway, the Yankees offseason <laughs> plan of 2019. <laughs> 2020. All right, so the big trade. The big trade. Um, we're making one one major. I think it's a major trade. And the way I approached this was I'm trading Clint Frazier. Well, first of all, okay, the trade is, let's just get it out there. So the Yankees are going to, it's a trade with the Padres, and the Yankees are going to get a guy named Dinelson LeMay. I'm pretty sure I said his name correctly. And they're going to be sending to San Diego Clint Frazier, Asil Rodriguez, Jay Happ, and half of Jay Happ's salary. And the way we approached this is we were looking at the payrolls and we were looking at the roster. And my God, is Jay Happ just an anchor on, on the payroll and on the rotation? Because he was terrible last year and he made $17 million. And... I tried to approach this. We tried to approach this, not only what we would do, but also in like a semi-realistic way, like not just sign Garrett Cole, sign Steven Strasburg, sign Anthony Rendon, trade for Francisco Lindor. Like, this is not it's a video really easy game. to do that. Yeah, it is. It is. Show, unfortunately. Yeah. Like this isn't MLB the show, but we're going to try and, you know, go about it as realistic as possible. And I do think this is a realistic trade. We used a trade simulator uh, that sort of values prospects. 
major league baseball players uh, and their salaries and just assigns them like a, a trade value. And this trade, if the Yankees include eight and a half million of Hap's $17 million next year, I think it's a good trade for both sides. And in fact, I think you could argue the Yankees are, were overpaying for, for this to the Padres. But LeMay is a 27-year-old right-handed pitcher. He's a super two status, but this is the first year of arbitration. MLB trade rumors estimated he'll make $1.7 million. He had Tommy John surgery and was injured in 17 and 18. He is a starter for the Padres, but he kind of has, he has high upside, but also low downside where he could just wind up in the bullpen as a two-pitch pitcher, fastball slider. He kind of looks like it could be that swingman type, like kind of like Chad Green. Like I think if you ask Chad Green to start a few games a year, I mean, well, obviously he's done that. Open. <laughs> Forget about the whole opener thing, but um, Lemay can think. I think he can start or relieve with the Yankees, or I mean, I mean, he did that with the Padres as well. So yes. um, he's a high quality arm. Um, you know, we talked about uh, you know separately. We talked about he has two different sliders. Yep. Um, his fastball sits ninety six to one hundred. I mean, he's a good young arm. Um, and the Padres need outfield help. I mean, they have absolutely no one in their outfield right now um, that's, you know, really worth anything. And Clint Frazier kind of gives them a high upside bat. Um, you know, he would, I think the pressure would be lifted off of him. He would have to work on his defense, obviously, out there in that giant ballpark. Um, I'm going to say Petco, but I don't even know if it's called that anymore. So I think it is. Petco? Okay. Yeah, I'm not sure. Okay, they go through, you know, so many changes. I was, uh, you know. Seattle's um, anyway. changed their stadium like 15 times. Yeah, they're like T-Mobile Park Team, or something. T-Mobile Park, yeah. Yeah, you're right. My favorite the, is the one? White Sox. Guaranteed Rayfield is my field. favorite. Because, yeah. I mean, that's <laughs> – anyway. The Padres outfield sucked. They had they produced a combined 2.3 war last year, which for three positions is is god-awful. And Frazier That is trash, yeah. Frazier's a young hitter who um, we're all pretty confident he can hit at the major league level. He can't field worth a shit, but hopefully he, I think he's just has to work on that. And I just don't think he's a good fit mentally for the New York media. I, I don't, I think it's immaturity. I don't think he's, I don't think he's necessarily cocky or he's a douche, which I know you, you have said um, to me. <laughs> well, wow, thanks for outing me. <laughs> that's okay. But I think that's the perception that, that Clint Frazier gets, but I just think he's immature. And I think, in the New York media where there's a microscope on every single player, it's a problem for him. And in San Diego, he wouldn't be the guy because they have um, Manny Machado signed for $300 million and Tatis Jr., who might be their best player. Yeah, I mean, he's just – Frazier's one of those guys who he – I don't know. I think he wants to have the spotlight, you know, and I don't think that he's going to be able to have that in New York. And he, he gets scrutinized so much. I just don't think it's going to work out here. I don't uh, either. Bottom line. So. And I think the Yankees need to shit or, shit or get off the pot with him. They either need to yes. stick him in left field or trade him. Because yes. another another season of, oh, he's starting in Scranton to get his at-bats and to get his reps in the outfield. But then if there's an injury, he's going to get called up. And then this, and it's, a, it's just a whole, it's a whole circus with Clint yep. Frazier. So the, and, and his value is going to diminish anymore. If you, I mean, if you stick him back in Scranton again, and he's just, you know, he's just getting older. Way down there. Yeah, exactly. He's just getting older. He's getting closer to arbitration status. So the longer you wait, the less a team is going to give for you. This isn't even that much when you consider the Yankees would be trading Clint Frazier. They'd be trading uh, Rodriguez, who is their number 28 prospect, uh, international free agent they signed in 2018. And Jay Happ. And you might, you're probably asking, why the hell would it San Diego want Jay Happ? Well, 
J-Hap at $8.5 million might be worth it to San Diego, who has a really young rotation, a gigantic ballpark, and yeah. a pitcher and a fly ball pitcher in Hap that a lot of those, you know, 330-foot home runs at Yankee Stadium might be outs at Petco Park. And he might be okay in the National League. And at $8.5 million, I think could be decent enough value to the Padres where they're okay giving up LeMay for Frazier and Rodriguez. Yeah, I mean, J-Hap had a 18.3 home run per fly ball ratio last year, which is the highest of his career. Um, Oh, yeah, almost the highest of his career. And that's so far above league average, too. I mean, pretty much every fly ball he gave up at Yankee Stadium was going out, and that's not sustainable, really. Um, And you can blame the juice ball, but we don't know if the ball is going to be juiced again next year or not. Even if it is, I mean, Petco Park is such a different environment. I mean, I really think that would help him. I could totally see J-Hap going to that team in the NL and putting up a three and a half ERA and, you know, being like a three to four war pitcher easily. And I I think that's exactly what would happen, but typical or or kind of go, he'll go six plus, he'll go six plus every start, give up two to four runs. And we'll all be saying, well, why the hell couldn't he do that for the Yankees? Because the Yankees (laughs) would win so many games if he just pitched six innings and four runs. The running Twitter joke is, well, why can't a, why can't the Yankees get a pitcher like that? You know, whenever we yeah. see one of our former guys go to another team, it, it's kind of the same thing with the Sonny Gray situation where it just didn't work out or it's not working out. So let's yeah. another you know, guy who couldn't like, handle New York, and I think right. that's like Frazier. Well, Frazier will look up at you know mid next season, and he'll have tw- you know maybe fifteen home runs, and he'll have yeah. a, a two eighty five batting average, and he'll be playing every day left field, and we'll be like, well, what the hell. No, I mean, I could totally see the change of scenery for him, uh, you know, benefiting both parties for sure. That's the big trade, and the benefit to the Yankees is they get a high upside arm and they get $8.5 million of salary relief. So going position by position, we already said we re-signed Austin Romine. Two years, $5 million. $2.5 million AAV. Fangraphs, that's exactly what Fangraphs projects for him, AAV. They only project he's going to get a one-year contract, so the Yankees could just say, we'll commit to you for two years. You can make $5 million. If he gets... If someone is stupid enough to make the Austin Romine their starting catcher, you know, thank thank Austin Romine for all the stuff he's done for the Yankees, and I guess you're just gonna have to deal with Higgy. Yeah, I mean, we have Gary Sanchez, so he's he knows he's not gonna get a starting gig here. But I mean, also a backup catcher would be a sweet job. Let's be honest. It's kinda like a backup quarterback. You only have to play once or twice a week, you get paid millions of dollars. I mean, and if you're Austin Romine in New York, if you're Austin Romine in New York, you have your own fangirls. You have your own fa- groupies. Yeah. You got Austin Romine truthers because they think Gary Sanchez sucks. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Austin Romine, he's going to last two years, he's put up 1.3 and 0.9 war. So, I mean, he's a one a one win backup catcher, and you're signing for a couple of million bucks. So, you even have some surplus value there um, if you look at how much, you know, <laughs> one win costs on the free agent market. So, there's no problems there. He does well when Gary goes down. His defense is fine. It's, you know, it's not amazing, but it's not terrible either. So, there's no problems there. So, why, why change anything? First base. I, l- I really like the idea of a righty-lefty combination of Voight and Ford and moving on from Greg Bird. I'm finally at the point where <laughs> I-, I want no part of Greg Bird, if only so I have to stop. T- I can just stop talking about him. But also, he's due for a raise in arbitration and to make $1.2 million. There's Why the hell would you pay him <laughs> $1.2 million to do nothing? That, that is a, that's going to be a tough decision for the Yankees because, I mean, he... 
I mean, when he's healthy, we've seen good things from him, but it's just at some point you have to move on. The last time he was healthy was 2015. I mean, I, I assuming it's I'm assuming 2020 this year, next year. When we go to spring training this year, Andrew, we're gonna put him in the Hall of Fame uh, spring training. Um, yes, you know, <laughs> exactly. And we, we said we're going to do that because every spring training he shows up, hits 10 bombs. You know, everybody's like, oh, you know, Greg Bird, it's going to be his year. He's back. And then something happens. The last That's day of spring exactly training, what the last the week of spring training. Bring Greg Bird into <laughs> spring training. Let him hit seven home runs in spring training and then trade his ass. Trade him. Yeah. Yes. Him and his mullet. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think Voight and Ford could actually be a pretty damn good offensive first base combination. Ford really surprised me last year just because he – you know, he's a, what is he, 29? He's like, he's an older player. He's been in the minors his whole career. He comes up and he, he has a legitimate pop. Uh, he, I mean, it's obvious he has a legitimate pop because if you've seen him, you're like, wow, that's the biggest guy I've ever seen. He's a tank. Yep. So the one um, downside you know, to this combination is they are awful defensively. Yeah. They're, the Yankees are punting their first base defense with this combination. But I, I mean, think uh, it's all realistic if, Combined, they get 600 plate appearances to have like a 125 WRC plus combined out of those guys. Yeah, I mean, I think, and I think that's maybe even low. I mean, you see Luke Voigt do a lot better than that when he was healthy. Pre so pre abdominal injury, he had a 140 WRC plus. I'm yeah. I'm fully in the camp that believes Voigt sucked in the second half because he was injured. I, I am too. I mean, we saw him be really good for us the second half of 2018. The first half of 2019 was basically the same guy. Um, he's a high on base guy. Um, he's going to hit for not, not a super high average, but a, you know, an, um, 270 something around those lines and slug about, you know, the high four hundreds, low five hundreds. And, you know, he's, he's a great hitter and he's a really patient hitter and, um, he takes his walks and he does strike out a lot, but, um, he's a really valuable hitter. And especially when you consider the Yankees only gave up Chase and Shreve and, uh, you know, Giovanni Gallegos actually turned out pretty good for the Cardinals, but you know, if you can get a starting first base, I'm back for that. They're not, they're not really missing those guys. So here's where our plan gets interesting up the middle because we're not re-signing Didi. And it kind of pains me because I love Didi as just the memories of Didi from 2017 playoffs. And yeah. I think he's a really fun personality and a fun guy to root for. But it just doesn't make much sense to re-sign him with the way their <laughs> infield is where you can plug in LeMahieu at second base and Glaber at shortstop. It doesn't make sense to reassign him, and he his defense has kind of um, it's not deteriorated, but he's not he, he's not that Gold Glove guy he used to be. He's starting to slip a little bit with his range, I think, and I I honestly think that Glaber Torres can be um, pretty close to as good as Didi was this year. Um, I don't have the numbers in front of me. I think you do, Andrew, though. Um, yeah, Glaber Torres was about plus one DRS at shortstop this year, and um, Didi was pretty pretty far in the, in the negative in that area. So yeah, um, you and know. actually almost the same number of innings and yep. Glaber was plus one. Didi was minus six. Yeah. I, don't there know. You go. I, I think Didi will be better next year, wherever he plays. If it's with the mm -hmm. Yankees in real life, like this, we're in fantasy land right now. If it is in yep. real life with the Yankees, I think he'll be better next year than he was last year. But yeah. the, the fact of the matter is you can have LeMahieu, who's a, maybe the best defensive second baseman in baseball. Yep. And you can have Glaber, at shortstop, who is one of the best offensive shortstops in baseball and can give you, I'm pretty sure, like maybe slightly below league average short, uh, shortstop defense. But that's okay when you yeah. have Geo at third base, LeMahieu at second base. I feel like they can live. I mean, he hit 37 home runs last year, too. So, I mean, if you're getting that kind of production on a shortstop hole, maybe you live with a little. Uh, but I think Glaber Torres has shown that he's 
I think he's better at shortstop. I think his reactions are better. I think that his um it makes no sense because better. shortstop is a harder position. It right, it, but he he has played that for most of his career. Um, you know, and upcoming him through the minors, second base was still he's only been playing that position for you know a couple of years now. So um, you know, I, I think that Glaber is going to be able to handle the position um just fine, and I think that you know you're going to get a lot of better offensive production out of him than you would at Didi, obviously. So third base, um, let's run through the rest of the infield quickly. So third base, I think it's Gio's job to lose. And Andujar might have a spot on the team because there's a 26th man on the roster this year. So he could just fit in as a DH, part-time DH, part-time third base, part-time first base. I don't really know what they're going to do with Andujar. It's it's just bad timing all around for him yep. with Gio coming in and his shoulder injury. So uh, I know Max on our website wrote that uh, – Gio, or that uh, Andujar is one of the luckiest players in 2018, so don't expect production in 2020. Yep. I don't know. I think he's. I think he could still be a good hitter, but oh, I don't know if he's I a don't good think enough. Any question? Yeah, I don't know. Is he a good enough hitter to be a full time DH? With the juice ball, maybe. With the juice <laughs> I mean, ball, he maybe because he could hit. hit 30 home runs and 30 doubles. 30 home runs, 40 doubles with the juice ball. I mean, he hit, didn't he hit 52 doubles in 2017 or something like that? The, I mean, he broke DiMaggio's Yankees, re- or no, 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 he broke uh, the rookie double record. It was like 49. That's right, yeah. Yeah, it is a ridiculous number. And he had 27 home runs, if I, you know, if I remember correctly, you know. Um, so if I mean, you're getting a, 60 combined extra base hits, you know, 60 to 70 extra base hits. Yeah, I mean, he could, he could definitely go DH somewhere. The only thing is that, you know, he was barely playable at third base, and that was before shoulder surgery. So there's really nowhere to put him right now. So if I had to guess, the Yankees, uh, they may put him on the bench to start the year. If, if not that, then they'll, um, you know, stick him in AAA to see if he can recoup some of his value. Whoever's the backup infielder, Wade Estrada, or someone they pick up out of a dumpster somewhere, I'm fine with it. It's not Just waste time. On as, yeah. as long as he can play <laughs> shortstop, whoever it is. And the outfield yeah. is also set. So we, we mentioned we're re-signing Gardner. Obviously, they have Judge and right, Stanton and left. You just got to hope for Stanton's health. Gardner re-signing. I said one year, $9 million. And you're going year to year with Gardner at this point. I don't think he's going to go anywhere else. I don't think he has the balls to sign anywhere else. So <laughs> I think you can get him for one one year, $9 million, which is a slight raise from last year because he hit 27 fake home runs. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is I think they paid him 7.5 this year. So he's not going to take less. That's just how it is. Unless you see a steep climb in your skills, you're not going to – you know, take any less. So I think nine to 10 million, maybe one year deal. Hopefully that'll work out for him. But, um, I mean, he's probably not gonna hit 27 home runs again. Uh, no, if he's I definitely guess. not going to hit 27 home runs again. Yeah. I mean, the thing is with, and I, I wrote down some notes too. So Gardner since 2013, he's put up 2.5 to four war every single year since 2013. That's pretty consistent. In 2019, this year, uh, he pulled 46.2% of all balls he put in play. His career uh, pull percentage is 36.2%. So I think he saw that juice ball, and he was like, okay, well, I'm going to try to you know, pull a couple more balls than I normally would and try to hit some more home runs. And I think that's what he ended up doing. Um, I don't know if he's going to you know, keep with that same approach and try to do that next year again, but I think as his contact skills decline as he gets older, he's going to need to do that to stay effective. Um I mean, he, what he slugged like he slugged five five hundred. I mean, it's crazy. That's probably not going to happen again. He I came think into everybody... he came into that year career like around four hundred slugging. So he increased his slugging percentage by a hundred points. 
I think it, here's what we expect from Brett Gardner. Um, you know, around league average offense, 90 to 105 WRC plus guy with good defense um, and, a, you know, around 2.5 to 3 war. I think that's what you can expect. And for a one-year deal, you can't really ask for anything better than that. So Yeah, Brett Gardner should send some, some sort of thank you gift basket to Aaron Hicks for needing Tommy John surgery, <laughs> and that's the only reason that he's back. Because I think Mike Talkman would be the fourth outfielder, and I think he still will be the fourth outfielder at the start of the season. And I'm pretty sure Mike Talkman can give you 75 to 80% of Brett Gardner right now at one-tenth the cost. Yeah, I mean, he, his, I don't think people realize how good he was defensively. I mean, he, plus 16 defensive runs saved this year, which I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, like tied him with the league lead. Um, I can't remember who he's tied with, but he, I mean, really good defender. He might be your opening day center fielder because um, I don't think the Yankees are going to want to play Brett Gardner every day in center field at this point in his career. Maybe, you know, once or twice a week, but I think Mike Talkman could definitely do that and be at least adequate there. Yeah. Um, that's fine. And they're, and there, I mean, even if Togman doesn't come back and hit like he did last year, their offense is good enough to, you know, stick him in the nine hole or wherever. Yeah, and who knows? Maybe he's probably not as good as we saw in like June and July of last year, but he's not an automatic out, I don't think. No, and I, th- I mean, he walks, he doesn't strike out a ton, he puts the bat in the ball, so, uh, you know, I think he's a nice piece to have. And another guy that, you know, I think I remember J.J. on George's Box earlier, earlier in the year was saying, you know, we're, we're not going to even remember Mike Talkman on this roster, and I think he said that back in May, and then, yeah. you know, <laughs> second half of the season, he just, you know, destroys everything, and, and I, I was I was at the game at Fenway where he was limping off the field, and I was like, man, this this is this is just bad luck. Yeah. It's just cruel. It's like, oh, you got to even injure Mike Talkman, yes. really? He's, right. He's, I mean, it's like right he's not even one of our start. good guys. Come on, man. Yeah. yeah. And he's like limping and like hopping on one leg off the field as that was happening. So, all right, let's get um, to the juicy stuff. So, the rotation. This is obviously the biggest area of need for the Yankees. I went into this saying they need to add one elite starting pitcher and then have a bunch of options for the number five starter. So they've got Severino, Paxton, and Tanaka for next year. Interesting that Tanaka is in his last year of his contract. So that'll be something to watch for. And I think Garrett Cole, we, uh, we'll get to his contract, but he's, you're bringing Garrett Cole in. And then the last rotation spot can be Montgomery's. It can be LeMay's that we, we talked about trading for. Sessa, I think, will have opportunity to make some starts next yep. year. Loisica, Michael King, and maybe Debbie Garcia in the second half of the year. I think there's a yep. lot of options for the number five starter. But if you're going to go into a playoff series and be able to throw Cole, Severino, Paxson, and Tanaka, that's a damn good four starting pitchers for a playoff series. Yeah, it's that I'm waiting for the Yankees to make that step on your neck move, and they have not, they have just simply not made that move. The last free agent pitcher they've signed, um, it was the last big splash free agent sign they made was Tanaka, you know, a few years ago, and before that, it was probably CeCe. It was CeCe um, t- uh, and Burnett as the two big, yeah. and they won the World Series. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, Look, um, I respect Brian Cashman and the front office for for trying to build this from within, and we've done a really good job, but we need that last piece. And that last piece is another ace to go with Luis Severino. So what is Cole going to get? I'm signing him to a seven-year, $220 million contract, but I'm making it a little bit interesting. The first two years, I'm paying $40 million each. So he's going to bank $80 million in his first two seasons, and then he's going to have a player opt-out. And he can decide at age 31, age, he'll have <clears throat> be 30 at the end of 2021. He'll turn 31 in 2022. So he'll be a free agent before he turns 31. 
when there's a new CBA probably in place that year too. He can decide if he wants to sign another free agent contract or stay with the Yankees, but he'll have already banked $80 million. And then in the last five years of the deal, he's going to make $28 million each. But total value, AAV, is $31.4 million, which I think is about what he will wind up getting. It's just, I think, a matter of is someone going to be dumb enough, not dumb enough, is someone going to be bold enough to give him eight years? Yeah, I think Jim, you know, Jim Bowden um, with The Athletic usually does a good job predicting these. I think he has Cole going to the Angels for like eight years, 288. I mean, if, if they, if they offer him that, you know, the Yankees, I don't think are going to, you know, go anywhere near that. But this contract idea you had where, you know, he has the player opt out after the first two years and, um, you know, you're paying him $40 million per year the first two years. I think that could be pretty enticing for him because he can go out and have another, you know, six or seven more season for the first two years of his uh, Yankee career and then go back out in the market again. Exactly. And I have to throw this tid. I have to throw this tidbit in there for you and Scott, Andrew. Um, the last Yankee pitcher to put up six more in a season was Hall of Famer Mike Messina, year 2003. So, oh, three. Wow. Yeah. CeCe hasn't done it. Uh, six you know. war. You said six war? Yeah, six war. Sever- uh, this year, so Severino and Sabathia both came close. Yes, they have come close. Yeah, and so Garrett Cole had six war last year or uh, two years ago, and seven point four war this year. I mean, so, six, I mean war, is, six war starting pitcher is top fifteen pitcher, top ten yeah, pitcher in in baseball. Like, yeah, that's like all star game starting caliber. Like, not just make the all star game, but hey, you're starting the game. And the Yankees have simply not had a pitcher put up that kind of season since. I mean, CC came close in '09, and Severino um, was on track to do it when you looked at his first half of 2018 yes, and then he fell yes. off. Had he maintained his first half 2018, he would have done a six war season. Right. And the, the, the fact of the matter is the Yankees just need that one, that last guy that they can call their ace that they can put up with Severino and hopefully Paxton can continue to, you know, build on what he built uh, the second half of this year. And so we can have those top three. And then you have Tanaka who, you know, shows time and time again, the playoffs that he's, he steps his game up. So yeah, it's a, it's a it's a big contract overall, two hundred twenty million. And from the team perspective, you're probably almost hoping he has two Cy Young caliber seasons, opts out, and then you let him walk. Yep, yep, absolutely. Not my money, Andrew. So yeah. sign him. So sign me. The bullpen is pretty much locked in. So obviously Chapman got the extension. So in our world, he also got signed the extension. They've got Britton Green, Adovino, Canley, Sessa, and I have the bullpen being rounded out by Holder, maybe Heller. LeMay obviously is on the roster, not re-signing Dylan Batances. This one pained us. I tried to Mm -hmm. fit him in, but as our payroll stands now, with all those moves we outlined, it's $246.3 million, which is about $1.7 million under the top tax. And I tried to keep it under that top tax threshold. I would go over it again because I think you can win a World Series and then get back under it when guys like Ellsbury come off the books, Tanaka comes off the books, but you're going to need money to sign Judge, to sign Sanchez, yep. to sign Glaber Torres. So now's the time when those guys are making not a lot of money. Right. Right. Making either league minimum, Glaber's making six hundred, seven hundred thousand dollars, and Aaron Judge is going to make six million dollars in arbitration. Now's the time you go, okay, we're going to pony up, we're going to pay Garrett Cole, and we're going to win two World Series in the next two years. Yeah, I mean, they need to do, I mean, sadly, they need to do what the Astros did with Verlander. You know, Verlander had a huge contract. Um, the Astros were basically able to get him for, you know, not a ton of prospects, but they were able to take on all this money. And then they taught him some spin rate guru, whatever, 
Um, yeah, maybe and he'll be able to. Now, but maybe Cole will bring some of that knowledge to the Yankees. And I'm, this new nerd pitching coach that they hired probably knows all about that stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I just think it's time for the Yankees. This is the time where their window's wide open and they just need to blow it open by signing Cole. So obviously I agree there. All right. That's our plan. Thank you very much, Frank. Any Anything uh, else you want to add? Any more stats or tidbits? Oh, uh, let's see. No, I just, I'm glad I got that Mike Mussina bit in there for you guys. And, uh, th- I think that's it, man. I mean, I think, I think we make damn good. Ge- I think we make damn good general managers. Obviously you're the assistant to the general manager in this scenario. But- I appreciate that. And that's fine. If, you know, I definitely quit my, quit my day job to be able to do that, but I can't say this, you know, our, our plan is definitely better than Nick Kirby and Scott Ryan's plan. That's, you know, I could definitely say that so, without a doubt, without, even, without even seeing their plan. Haven't seen it. Haven't heard about it, but this plan is better. All right. Thanks Frank. All right, man. Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually we just brush it off or blame ourselves saying things like, I lost my mojo, or we avoid it altogether with excuses like, I had a long day at work, or sorry, honey, I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about with a real doctor who can prescribe real medication. It's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. The doctor will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship you, ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash BlueWire and complete an online visit. Rectile dysfunction used to be a tough tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a real doctor and take care of it, all from the privacy of your own home. You don't have to worry about other people judging you. That is the key to Roman. Go check it out. GetRoman.com slash BlueWire to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. One more time. It's GetRoman.com slash BlueWire. All right, guys. I partnered up this year with Nick Kirby, who's one of the Bronx Pinstripes writer, to attack these GM plans for 2020. And uh, I'm excited, man, to bring Nick on. We're going to talk about this for... Uh, a few minutes, kind of go over our thought process and what we were looking for and lo- how we were looking at things and why we made the decisions that we did. Um, you could follow Nick at, on Twitter at NKirbyNYY. Nick, what is up, my man? I'm excited, man. I'm excited for the 2020 season, putting this putting this plan together, and uh, we got to beat Frank and Andrew. Yeah, that's right. This has pretty much become the nerds versus like the the real baseball fans. I feel like that's that's kind of what's happened here. We we take analytics into play. We look at everything, but there are other decisions differently. We're not robots. We're not robots. Exactly. Exactly. Eye test. We have good eyes, and there, there's definitely an eye test involved. So. <laughs> All right. Cool. So we're gonna um, we're gonna peck through this uh, for about ten minutes, just so we can go through. Uh, I think first things first, just to talk about like overall you know, our thoughts going into it, because there were a lot of hard decisions, obviously, that we had to make this year based on, uh, you know, some of the player options that were there and uh, some of the nagging injuries with, with like Dylan Batantis and things. So there were, there were hard decisions in the sense that there were players that we're not bringing back that I think both of you and I both like a lot. And I know are uh, big, you know, big fan favorites in the Yankees community. So that was, there were some tough decisions, you know, just to walking into this thing. Absolutely. And it's tough to, you got to separate feelings and then production, right? A lot of these guys are fan favorites. Everybody loves them, but you know, you got to think about uh, actual production and, and on the field. So you got to be kind of robotic. So in the, in the sense that, 
you know, the decisions that we made, let's talk about that first. The the yeah. first thing is the internal decisions, promotions and depth. So internal decisions, you and we, we came to the conclusion that we were not going to re-sign Didi Gregorius. And that's a big deal. Didi's obviously been the shortstop ever since Derek Jeter is gone. He's a guy that has uh, come up in big moments for the New York Yankees. I think the Yankees like him a lot still. Uh, this was a tough decision for me because I want Didi on the team. But at the same time, I think Didi is going to get more money and more years somewhere else. And the Yankees are not going to match that because of what they have internally. That's my thought process in getting to this point where, you know, we try to do this. So just uh, just to backtrack for a minute, the 2020 plans that we're coming up with here are are plans that we would do, but also trying to stay in the realm of what we think the Yankees could do as well, you know? So playing uh, Brian Cashman as GM and, and and still thinking about how the Yankees can operate, but doing it in our own way. And that being said, Didi, I think uh, the Yankees will try to get a bargain. I just don't think he's going to be available at a, uh, as a much of a bargain as they want. Exactly. And it was very telling that he didn't, that they didn't even offer him the qualifying offer. They weren't willing to bring him back at one year and 18 million. They're not going to give him some multi-year deal with, with a lot of money. And you think about how smoothly this infield can roll forward without him. Glaber Torres slides over from second to short. DJ slides over from first to second. And any defense you lose by losing Didi, you will make up by having DJ at second there. I just think it's so easy to fill them in internally right there in the infield. Yeah, that's the thing. That's what makes this one. That's what makes this such a tricky decision because you look at the precedent of of um, contracts that were made, uh, the the contract terms that were given to shortstops, and these guys are getting long term deals. Like there are not very many shortstops that are out there right now that that don't have a you know long term commitment or um, you know when they hit free agency weren't you know, weren't really a hot, a hot guy for multiple teams. And I think that's going to be the case. I think people will see what DD has done in his past, not looking at 2019, and they're going to offer him, you know, four or five years, uh, maybe with some options at the end of it. But I just don't think the Yankees can match it. And like you said, the internal options. So that was the big decision, the first big decision that we made. And we started there. That was the first thing that we did because we had to kind of uh, figure that out. Um, number two, was Dellen Batantis. He was the, you know, we're looking at the guys that are, we're going to bring back um, or have player or have options or, and how we're going to operate with this. Dellen Batantis is another guy that everybody loves. I love him. You love him. He's one of the best oh, yeah. pitchers in baseball when healthy. But again, I think he's going to get more from somewhere else. And that's why we actually didn't end up bringing him back. And you got to put yourself in Dellen's shoes, right? I mean, the Yankees have kind of jerked him around for a few years, especially going back to arbitration. And some team out there is going to give him multiple years to be a closer. The Yankees have five elite relievers kind of with or without him. And if you're the Yankees, sure, you'd love to have him back, be the seventh or eighth inning guy at, at two years and $15 million or something like that. But you look at a team like the Phillies, they got Girardi in there. You know, they love taking former Yankees. They've taken Kutch. They've taken Robertson. You could see a team like the Phillies – giving him closer money to come in and pitch the ninth inning. And he's never gotten to close before, and that's something he might want to do. And this could be his only shot to close. Yeah, I mean, he's he's done it just because of injuries, but that's it. He's shown that he can do it at, at right. in short spurts, but he's never been – he certainly hasn't been paid like a closer. We know that. Exactly. With all of the arbitration talks uh, that where, you know, there was basically, a, you know, a hit campaign uh, coming out by Randy Levine and and, right. and, and boys coming out against uh, Dylan Batantis. So – you know, I, I think that he has had really unfortunate luck with the way that his seasons have played out and then the way that the injuries have played out and then also having, you know, some weird, just some weird back and forth 
Uh, really not a back and forth because he never fired anything back, but just some, right. just some weird, uh, you know, overall narratives from the Yankee side uh, about him. Um, so, yeah, I agree with you. I think both of these situations are similar in the sense that they're going to get more somewhere else. And because of what the Yankees have internally, they're not going to stretch and they're not going to go beyond, you know, what they think they can uh, offer as far as like them being flexible and staying to that plan. I think Cashman has proved that he has, you know, I numbers in his head, contract uh, terms in his head as far as length, and he doesn't deviate from that very, very, uh, very often. So, those are two guys that I think walks. And honestly, good for Dylan Batantis because that 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 guy needs to, he get he needs to get paid and he deserves it. So, oh, absolutely. And the thing that sucks for him, real quick, is just this was the only year that that he was hurt. I mean, from 2014 to to 2018. He was healthy the whole time, never really had any arm trouble, and then all of a sudden it goes off the rails. It, it was just tough to see, but yeah, kind of the perfect storm in terms of him possibly leaving. Yeah, and it's unfortunate, but it, it kind of is what it is. It's a business, and I think uh, that he should get as much money for his family as possible because this is going to be the one year that he could actually go out there unless he takes a prove-me contract and then does it all again, but that's a lot of risk. And for him, the way that his, con- his uh, career has gone, I could definitely see him looking for as much guaranteed money as possible, you know, wherever it is and taking that. So um, we'll see how it plays out. The The third thing that we went through was the um, promotions and depth and kind of how that plays into what the roster construction will look like next year. And I think last year we had a lot of different flexibility with uh, with trading guys away, bringing guys in. There were, there were holes in positions. Um, we didn't have a guy like Gio Urshela playing third base. The third base was definitely a... Uh, we didn't with a defense of Andujar, you know, going into uh, going into spring training was definitely a question mark. So there were a lot of question marks going into last year's spring training. This year, while there's question marks in some areas, there's depth there on the roster. So it's it's it puts you in a position now. Do you trust what you have, and you're you know hoping that it pays dividends? All these injuries and all the experience that these guys have gotten this year and moving forward into 2020, or do you still look to upgrade? You know, multiple positions. How do you approach that? And uh, you and I definitely kind of went back and forth on that for a while. And I think in some cases we're definitely, you know, promoting from within, staying within. But we've also looked outside the organization for uh, for some spots. Exactly. And when you look at the when you look at the depth, they needed all of that depth last year. You think about it, 39 IL stints from 30 different players. They needed all that depth. The Mike Fords, the Tyro Estradas, Clint coming up. They need those guys over the course of the 162 games. So when we were talking about possible trades and tr- do you trade Ann Duhar? Do you trade Clint Frazier? Like, we're probably going to need all of these guys knowing the, help of, the health of this roster. Well, yeah, and then the other thing is, is when you're looking at trading and you're looking at maximum value for getting, uh, getting from these guys, you kind of have to let some of these... Some of our best chips had brutal 2019 based on injuries. Floriel injured. Um, Frazier was just a debacle. And, and you know... <laughs> just a debacle. That's all there really is to say about that. Uh, and um, and then Andrew and Maggie, yeah. is hurt. So the the value for these guys is not right now. And you know, I think you and I both came to the to the agreement that they got we got to let this thing play out because these guys have to build that value back up. Um, and, and then maybe it's a, a possibility for for trade deadline or uh, it's just you're not getting very much for for what is good talent. If you were to trade them in this offseason, unless you package them with certain else and someone, you know, has a um, just a very high grade on somebody, even though their injury history was there. So um, I think they'll look at it, but I don't think the value is going to be there. So that's why we kind of went outside the organization in some ways and then also kept some of these guys, too. 
All right, free agents, big free agent mark, market this year with pitching, obviously. Everybody wants the uh, the addition of either one of two guys, Garrett Cole, Steven Strasburg. We took neither. Nope. <laughs> and I know you were a big uh, Manny Machado guy last year. You were oh, campaigning yeah. for him. You even – Every I, day. I, I know. I, I'm pretty sure you – did you write the article about signing them both as well? Like the Yankees yep. can do this? Yeah. Well, the Yankees can do that too. Maybe they go all 2009 on us and sign two of the biggest fish in the uh, in in pitching in a long in a long time. Maybe they blow the tax threshold out of the water and go that way. We did not go that way because I don't think the Yankees will operate that way. But if they do, if they sign if they sign Cole or if they sign Strasburg, let's just get this out of the way. Like everything that we're talking about here, blown out of the water because they will be beyond the tax threshold. And at oh, that yeah. point, at that point. It's no holds barred. Like they will, blow, they could blow it up. Like who cares? They're over. Just spend. Um, that's not the route that we went because I don't think they're going to do that. So t- tell everybody where we went. Yeah. So and we kind of talked about it with Cole with the with the Angels having just paid Trout and, and getting Joe Madden out there with Cole being from there. We kind of see the Angels going much further than the Yankees are willing to go. And like you mentioned earlier, Cash kind of has that number that he puts on each player, and he generally doesn't stray too far from it. But a guy that we liked and we think Cashman likes, obviously, is Zach Wheeler. So we talked about Zach Wheeler, six years, $120 million, $20 million a year. It allows us to stay under that last threshold. And a big part of this, at least for me, and I know we talked about this, is Wheeler's already he's, – he's New York tested. And Queens isn't the same kind of bright lights as the Bronx, but he's, he's lived in New York. He's comfortable in New York. High-velocity guy, high-spin rate guy. Think about what Matt Blake could do with him. He's 29 years old. It, it just seems like a great fit. It does, and it also seems like his injury, uh, his, his injury history is 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 far enough back where it's not as much of a worry anymore, and you can see kind of where he is at this point in his career. And yeah, going on these um, with these new additions to what the pitching staff is going to look like as far as the coaching, um, I I think that yeah, you're looking at some of these guys where they can possibly get a little bit more out of, and and Wheeler seems like. He's the type of guy that you could pay, bring him on for a good contract. We said $20 million, six years, $120 million. Um, but there's also some some really good value potential in there too. If they have to go a little bit higher, I think there's there's still some room. Um, when all said and done after our free agent plan, I think we came in at uh, – where did we come in at? We came at 244, somewhere right. like that, That was uh, which, yeah. which, which, which is just under the, uh, the, the final threshold, and uh, that adds a little bit more – Actually, no, we're a bit, look, hold on. Let me get rid of one thing as I'm talking. 243. So 243 is a, was our final number. Um, and I think that gives just a little bit of flexibility, not a lot, but a little bit uh, for the Yankees to make some moves uh, potentially at the trade deadline and things like that too. So uh, Zach Wheeler is our big guy. And that that brings in um, some, so, you know, solidifies the starting pitching, I think, in the back end. Uh, so we roll in with, um, with Severino, Paxton, Tanaka, Wheeler, and then from there, obviously we have Hap under contract for at least one more year. And the two uh, the two additional depth pieces is our Montgomery coming into 2020 healthy, ready to go, hopefully. And then Herman is a guy that's on the roster. You know, we don't know what the situation is going to be there. It seems like he's going to be suspended, probably will be suspended. Um, but it also kind of feels like the Yankees are going to stick with him. It's just just the what it what it kind of looks like at this point. So yeah, uh, while he'll be on the forty man roster uh, to start the year, once the suspension comes out, we'll see how that plays out. But we're dealing with a twenty six man roster to start the season. So um, I think Montgomery and and Herman both off of the twenty six man roster to start the season. Uh, but Montgomery, you know, waiting in the wings, probably starting at AAA, seeing how he could build up that arm strength and see where he is. Um, 
All right, the next big thing that we did was go outside the organization. Oh, yeah, this is my move. This is the move. You and I are both pumped up about this. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So there's all this buzz about Greg Bird and the Dominican. Um, I said on Twitter (laughs) that if Greg Bird were to walk into that clubhouse with a mustache and a mullet, I'm in. I'm in on the Greg Bird. Here's the deal. I don't think Greg Bird's going to walk in with a mustache or a mullet. I think Greg Bird's going to shave it off and be the same guy. And unfortunately, I just can't be down with that one more year. I can't look at it. I can't try to deal with expectations again. Um, And we're going outside the organization. This is the guy that I wanted to bring on last year, and he's available again. Mike Moustakis comes in. No more bullshit at first base. We have now Voight and Mike Moustakis, uh, lefty-righty. Moustakis being a guy that's a little bit more flexible. I know he hasn't played a ton of first base in his career, but he's got the ability to play there. He played second base. He's played third base. He's played a little bit of first. I like him there. Adds more flexibility to the roster again, um, you know, with the loss of Didi. Adds some veteran leadership. He's a winner. He's won in Kansas City. Uh, You know, he's brought the Milwaukee team up and and gone pretty far with them. I love it. I love the addition. Lefty bat. He rakes. The fans are going to love him. Just a, a perfect addition to this team. The, the juices are flowing, and you go back to depth and flexibility, right? This guy can play three positions. He hit 35 homers last year. Everybody talked about Harper's swing being tailor-made for Yankee Stadium. Mike Moustakis' swing is absolutely tailor-made for Yankee Stadium. He could hit 45 homers here, especially if the ball is juiced again. But, yeah, he can play third. He can play second. He can play first. We know guys are going to go down. He can step in and rotate around. DJ can rotate around. This just gives us a really flexible infield, and it lets guys move around to a lot of spots. Yeah, I love it. I think it's he's just the makeup of the guy too. I like the fact that he's got that postseason experience, and um, I think that helps the Yankees quite a bit. I think it's uh, he's a low strikeout guy. I know his his on base percentage. Uh, we were looking at that. Uh, if you look at his career, it's it's definitely on the lower side. But last year he had a tick up. Um, yeah, and uh, you know it's probably one of his better. What was he at three thirty? I think. Yeah, he was at three thirty last year, which was his career high uh, yeah. in OBP, and that could be a thing. Look, you get into the you get into the Yankees organization, you start work with Marcus Timms and all the video that they're doing. You could easily see that spike into three fifty. I mean, look at all the guys that were you know average hitters and came in here and got a lot better, and he's already good. I, I think it's all upside with him. Yeah, no, I love it. So I, I think it gives a, a nice depth piece there. Um, the outfield. We kind of the, this is where a place where we we rely on what the Yankees currently have. Uh, they found a gem with Talkman last year. I think they roll with him again as the as the fourth outfielder. Obviously, Hicks is going to be down for about half the year, you know, as, as far as we know. Um, so they need that flexibility. I do think that Tyler Wade proved something to the team last year. I see him. I would not be surprised if we got he got a lot more reps in the outfield, uh, specifically yeah. center in spring training, so that they can kind of use him more as that outfield depth piece as well. But you have Stanton, Gardner, Judge. Gardner's coming back on a on a one year deal. Uh, we didn't we actually that that's going to be done. That that will that's uh, assumed. That is so assumed. It's so assumed. Yeah, we didn't even say it in the beginning. But that's Gardner's definitely coming back. We're bringing him back on yeah. a one year deal um, with a little bit of a, a tick up in 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 pay. Um, and then the outfield is relatively set. Frazier, who the hell knows what they're going to do with him? He'll be there somewhere. Uh, I don't think they trade him immediately. I, again, like the value thing, it's it's a tough a tough value play. Um, and then quickly with the, in the infield, adding Mustakas slots Lemayhu back over to second, Glaber to short, and then you have Urshela at third, and then Andujar is coming back too. You know, maybe they look at him in different positions, uh, but he's he's also a DH that that can that can we're, we're expecting him to be able to hit as well. Exactly. And just going back to Andujar real quick, this could be a situation where they kind of use that torn labrum, the shoulder surgery as an excuse to maybe stash him in the minors 
for a month or so to get his timing back so you don't have an immediate competition uh, with Gio. But going back to the outfield with the Hicks injury, center field depth is going to be so important. And now with Gardner and Wade and Talkman, you got three guys that can play center field while Hicks is down. That's huge. That is huge. Um, another another decision that we had to make that was another one of those tough decisions without a guy that's been around for a long time um, is Austin Romine. Austin Romine, we agree. This is a, this is like a, the theme. I think these yeah. guys are going to get more money from a, outside the organization. That's just that's just how I see it. With and you agree with me in the sense that they've built up value on the team because of this depth, because of what they've done, and now they're looking for uh, they're looking to get paid. I think Romine's going to look for a starting job. And Higgy now has been with the team in a long enough. I mean, he's been in AAA for a long time now. He's he's been up with the big club for a, a while. I think there's yeah. a familiarity with the with the pitching staff. So I think they go um, go all in with Higgy as the backup catcher, and then Romine walks uh, free agency and gets signed somewhere else. And you got to put yourself in Romine's shoes. Sure, we'd love to have him back as Yankee fans. He's a great backup. But if you're him, you're 31 years old. You want to go get paid to be a starter. Catching is weak around Major League Baseball, and some team is going to give him a multi-year contract to be a starter with starters money, and he's never going to be a starter here, despite what the Romanites would want you to believe, right, with, with Sanchez. Uh, so, yeah, we're letting Romine walk. I think Higgy can step in. He works well with the pitchers. He's got some pop. I think he can do everything that Romine's been doing when Gary you know, inevitably goes down with a strained groin or hamstring or calf or whenever he goes on the IL. I think Higgy can step in just fine. And then, you know, looking at the um, the the relievers, obviously, Batantis, uh, we said was gonna he's gonna we're gonna lose him to free agency, uh, get signed somewhere else for closer money probably. Um, so that what that does in the bullpen is to round it out, you know, beyond Chapman, Green, Britton, Adovino, Canley, Sessa uh, is I think has proved a lot this year. I think he stays with the team and will be uh, in that back as kind of that long guy. I think Ben Heller is a guy to watch. And we, we both agree we'll break camp with the team on the 26th. Remember, we have 26 men. So the, the final roster spot was really just kind of a, a flyer. And, and this is a guy that has had really good early season success, I think 2016, um, but has been just decimated by injuries. Uh, started coming back at the end of the year. Hopefully he can get a good offseason in. And now with adding Matt Blake, that Cleveland connection, I could see them going after a, a, a value guy by low with Danny Salazar. Um, he started in the past, probably going to slot him into the bullpen, but Danny Salazar would be a, a guy that they're going to bring in for camp. Um, we had him offering him a, a one, one-year, $3 million contract with incentives up to $6 million. So, um a lot of definitely some upside there if you can get a healthy Salazar. And I think the familiarity with Blake helps out quite a bit. Exactly. He's got upside, high velocity guy coming into the bullpen, uh, obviously as experienced starting and as a reliever. But yeah, the Matt Blake connection, it just makes too much sense. And Cashman loves these buy low opportunities, like you said. All right, man. So that's going to wrap it up. Andrew and I are going to talk a little bit more about this as well. But uh, this was fun. I, there was It was strange because there were so many internal options this year that I think really made it a unique situation that we hadn't done before. So, um, but I like the squad, man. I like, I like what we've built here. Uh, the, the little tweaks, cause I think that's what it is. I think we tweaked the roster. I don't think we made like major, major things bringing in another uh, frontline pitcher, I think is important. Um, uh, but the rest of it really is tweaking. So I appreciate you, man. It was fun. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I want to take a minute to tell you guys about Mac Weldon. They are better than whatever you are wearing right now. That is the first line of the copy, and it is true. Except me, because I am wearing a pair of Mack Weldon sweatpants, and they are very, very comfortable. 
Mack Weldon believes in smart design, premium fabrics, and simple shopping. If you go on the website, MacWeldon.com, everything is laid out very easily. You can uh, search for underwear, outerwear, undershirts, sweatpants, polo shirts. I've talked about these polo shirts in the past. They're my favorite polo shirts. They're really lightweight, perfect for golfing or summer. I've worn them to the office. I've worn them out to dinner. I have them in like three different colors because when I find a shirt that I like or a pair of pants that I like and that fits well, I end up just ordering a bunch of different colors of the same thing. And their underwear are awesome as well. They have a line of silver underwear and shirts that are naturally antimicrobial, which means they eliminate odor. And if you don't like your first pair of underwear, you can keep it and they will still refund you. No questions asked. So here's what you do. For 20% off your first order, visit MacWeldon.com and enter promo code PINSTRIPES. Again, that's MacWeldon.com. Enter code PINSTRIPES, all one word. Okay, we're back. Thanks to the magic of editing, you have just heard Frank and me lay out our plans and then Nick and Scott lay out their plans. In your mind, you have decided who are the geniuses and who are the dumbasses and probably who is stupid and who is not. Probably um, pretty split. But so the biggest difference between our plans is that we signed Garrett Cole and you did not sign Garrett Cole. Right. And, and I think that I talked about this with Frank, but the Yankees are in a position. They're in a power position right now. They have... Aaron Judge in the first year of arbitration. Gary Sanchez, first year of arbitration. Glaber Torres making league minimum. Luis Severino signed to a very team-friendly contract. Like, all this in place, they can spend. I know they're up against the top luxury tax, but they print money. Hal Steinbrenner, every time he goes and takes a dump, looks in the toilet, and there's just $100 bills sitting there. This team prints money. Spend the money on the best pitcher on the free agent market. Garrett Cole is arguably the best pitcher on the free agent market since CC Sabathia. Arguably, yeah, yeah, he's up there. He's up there. I mean, look, there's no doubt. Like, I, I we, we, we tried. We looked at it, and we wanted to sign Cole. Who the hell doesn't want to sign Garrett Cole? Garrett Cole is a very, very good pitcher. Um, the, the, the biggest, probably the biggest thing that Cashman would take back in his career, I'd say this is up there. Maybe the Ellsbury contract too, but um, would be not trading. Clint Frazier for Garrett Cole and Andor. I think you would make that deal a thousand times. Do you think over it's again. that's above not taking on Justin Verlander's money? Just money, no players really. Just take on that money in seventeen. Uh, yeah, because I think the because of the the age and uh, there was no guarantee. I think that if Verlander came here, it would have been the same. I just think he's. A, Do you he's think a different type of player? The Yank if if Verlander is a Yankee, and, and there's or, and, it, and it doesn't mean that they would have necessarily just gotten him. What do you mean? There's there's other people there's other powers that be in that in that deal. Yeah. So yeah. That, that's not something that you can control. This this was this was something that was that was denied. It was Andujar and um, Clint Frazier for Garrett Cole or not and. I thought it was both of them. Oh, nope. It was them as the centerpiece with other prospects. It was not both of those prospects. No, I remember it being both of them. Either way, even if it was both of them, I remember it being both of them. But either if, if it was not. Uh, then, yes, you smack yourself in the face like 97 times. If it's both of them, you smack yourself like five times. But, you know, you can only know what, what you know uh, at that given moment. And Yeah, it's easy to Monday morning. Absolutely, especially because when you go to Houston and he, he has the uh, acceleration, who knows if he has that acceleration coming to the Yankees. Right. Does he strike out a record number of batters as a Yankee? They're not looking at the same things. They probably astro. don't make the same tweaks. So there's a, there's a solid chance 
that Garrett Cole comes to the Yankees and does not perform like he does with the Houston Astros. Two years ago. Yeah. But now, oh, now it's different. that Garrett Cole has made the tweaks, he has that knowledge base, he's the best free agent pitcher on the market. I think the Yankees... So there was an article written by Fangraphs, I believe, like last year. I mean, year. Steven Strasburg went 5-0 and in the, in the playoffs and won the World Series. So, you know, you could be argued that he's not the best. I think because of age, Garrett Cole is a better free agent. I'd rather sign Garrett Cole because of age and injury history than Steven Strasburg. I agree. Are you saying who's a better pitcher for 2020? Maybe it's a coin flip. Okay. But who's a better free agent? Uh, who, are, who, would I, who would I rather sign? It's Cole. Sure. So there was an article... Before the big free agent class of 2018, when I think everyone assumed the Yankees would get somebody big, it was talking about how the Yankees revamped their entire minor league system. And now they are starting to operate like a small market team, like the Devil Rays, who have been so crafty in their minor league systems and player development and player acquisition to just figure it out at the major league level. They've, the Yankees have revamped their system to do that at the, at the minor league level. And that is the worst news for the rest of baseball because they can outspend everybody. But they didn't do that, and they haven't outspent everybody. They still spent a lot of money, but they're operating like a regular rich team. They can operate like the friggin' like these oil tycoons in in Dubai if they want to, just buying gold toilets. That's how the Yankees can operate. Garrett Cole is a gold toilet, and they could buy it. Solid 24-karat gold billion-dollar toilet. I just, do, you, do you use that as a trophy, or do you actually go and take a dump on that thing? I just, I just compared Garrett Cole to a Yes, toilet. you did. But he's a very good, oh, he's a very good your, pitcher. Your GM plan is uh, tremendous. Uh, you, you, bought, you got a toilet. Awesome. Uh, but you're, you've got he's, – he's not only – he's not a luxury – I think the Yankees need to upgrade their starting rotation. They, they will win a lot of games without upgrading their starting rotation next year, but they won't win a World Series. <laughs> okay. Um, it, 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 they they need to upgrade a. I mean, clearly you think they need to upgrade their rotation too. You signed Zach Wheeler. Yeah, I did. I signed Zach Wheeler. I I think that he's a guy. I, I don't think it, it's um. I think the Yankees, if they had hit this year, they could have won a World Series. They could could have been possible. Could have been there. Could have been something. I think the, the there's a shift, a paradigm shift in the way they're doing things is probably more important. If we're talking about arm talent, and and the Yankees have a lot of arm talent currently. That's that is there. They have a lot of they have a lot of very good pitchers. They don't they don't use them well right now. And and I'm really hoping that this new wave of of analytics in that sense in the development can really help out because I think that their arm yeah the arm talent is there. Uh, so you're signing Zach Wheeler, who's had injury history, not for the last two years nas- though, not for the last two years. Who's been a nat- yes, you're right, not for the last two years. Who's been a National League pitcher in a big ballpark in New York? Yeah, who. None of that. I mean, not, the ball's I mean, flying a, out of every park. It doesn't matter where He's it a good is. pitcher. Like, um, this is not to degrade Zach Wheeler, but but I don't think Zach Wheeler becomes their best pitcher. Oh, I don't. He becomes. I don't think they need to have a guy that becomes their best pitcher. That's the that's the thing. Look again. Let me let me tell you where 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 I was beyond what Nick and I have already talked about. Because I'm trying to remember what we talked about. <laughs> um, I wanted to sign Cole. I think if they can do that, if they can sign Cole within the framework then great. I just don't think it's possible. Because one, I think he's going to get more money than you had him at. Where did you have him? I th- the AAV is 31 and change. Yeah. But so the, the the sneaky thing in the contract that I'm offering him is $80 million in the first two years. And the ability to become a free agent again 
when the new CBA is agreed upon at thirty b- before his age thirty one. Okay, so a, I think, a couple things that are, I think go ahead. That's attractive to a player, maybe, but maybe not because a couple a couple times now, um, we I, we thought that with Corbin last year, that was one of the things that we had talked about with Corbin as well. But also, you're looking at what happened with um, uh, with JD Martinez not opting out, staying in that contract. Same so thing with Chapman, I think a better comp, a better comp. A better comp is David Price, who had an opt-out and did not elect the opt-out. The difference, but the reason I think Price didn't opt out is because he looked at the market and his age and injuries. He said, I'm going to take the guaranteed money. Cole will have that option. Right. I will take the, re- the rest of guaranteed money if I've either underperformed, the market isn't looking good, or I'm injured. So th- 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 but that's if he my point. kills it the next two years, he will opt out and sign another huge contract. He will be in two years younger than Steven Strasburg is now. But, here, right? but, but, but what you're saying is you said $40 million. So I So personally, I had him, when Nick and I did this, we had him as the highest paid pitcher in, in baseball. Granky right now, if you look at AAV, is the number one at 31 and change. Uh, no, I'm sorry. 34. I have to bring it up now. Now I'm, it's 34. It's 34 and change. Yeah, yeah, it's 34 and change. Uh, so we put him at 35. 35 AAV, which which worked out to be a seven year deal for 245. Nick wanted to go eight years. I was looking at the comps. Never been done. Eight year contract did not happen. Seven years was the tops. A lot of people wanted to go eight years. I'm seeing it all over Twitter. Literally never happened. So how am I going to possibly be the first guy in history to go extend an eight year contract? Not happening. I am good. So we went seven years, two forty-five, which put him as the highest-paid guy. Now, what you're talking about is is giving him forty million dollars up front. That's only five million dollars per year uh, uh, ahead of what we're doing. He's getting a guarantee per year. He's getting a eighty million. He's eighty million. Yeah, but he doesn't have to deal with sixty million. He does versus seventy. Million. But he knows the rest. Ten extra million. He knows the rest of it's there. He doesn't have to bank on any of it. He knows the two hundred and forty-five is there. To me, when I'm seeing what's happening around the league, as far as uh, as long as, as far as trends that are actually being executed and happening, guys are taking guaranteed money. There's no doubt. Guys are taking so, guaranteed this, money. The options are. Is, they, so you're saying total value of 220 million is not what he will be getting, and maybe not. But I think I would look even at even go Bryce Harper. Million. Bryce Harper went more. Years. I would even go. I would even go 45 million each of the first two years for him. Yeah, but the Yankees wouldn't. But the Yankees wouldn't because it would blow the tax away. No, it doesn't. It's it's it's. It's average annual value. It's not per year. I understand that. So that only increases the AAV by to like thirty two million, thirty three and a half million, or something like that. It's not that crazy. I just when I'm looking at what's happening, I look at trends, I look at precedent, and what I'm seeing a lot more now in baseball is that guys are taking guaranteed money. They're not trying to We're deal also, with what's happening later. They're not trying to bank on themselves because what's happening right now, they are. They've already done that. They've already gotten to a point where they bet on themselves, and now they're going to get as much goddamn money as they possibly can the first time they can do it on a hot market. And I do believe that he's going to get... Look what Corbin did last year. That was probably... Who, you know, how, who are the teams that are going to be in on um, Garrett Cole? <clears throat> I, I don't even know if there's teams. I think the Anaheim Angels are going to pay a lot of money. I agree I think, the Angels are the leading candidate. And they're going to they're going to be competing the against the Yankees. Only competing, the Yankees are only competing with the Anaheim Angels. But the but the Angels know they have to beat the Yankees. So it yeah, doesn't matter. They are, their owner has gotten done with contracts before. They're, look, Joe Madden they just have, signed. They have Mike Trout and Joe Madden. And they have they just got Madden and they have Shohei Otani. He's going to be healthy. And but they're not even with Garrett Cole, are they a playoff team? I mean, they might believe so. They so. may make a little a couple other moves. It's close. 
It's close. They have a long way to go. You're also Anaheim. staring. You're also staring uh, and stealing Garrett I think Cole you, from you a make divisional it opponent. Close to Anaheim. I think if you make the money close, the years in money close. However, you move it around, opt outs, options, whatever the hell it is. If it's close, I think the Yankees can land them. I hope so. I do. I really do hope so. I just uh, and I, they're in a position to land him, and I think they should land him because he's the best. Like I said, best pitcher, and they they need to upgrade their rotation. And this is the easiest way to upgrade their rotation. Yeah, you go into a playoff series with Garrett Cole, Luis Severino, James Paxton, and Tanaka. That's a damn good four starters. I agree. I just when I put my realistic and Wheeler's good too. Like Wheeler is good too. When I put my realistic, not a bad option, not a bad plan B. Wheeler's a good plan B in my mind. When I put my realistic cap cap on and I and I look around and being under the tax threshold, like you're, I know you're tax, you're at what two forty six? Yeah, it, you're you're up against yeah, so it. So a million one point seven million, but this is assuming that all guys on arbitration get what they're projected to get. And the Yankees have been known to settle pre-arbitration. And it's usually when you settle pre-arbitration less than what the projection is. So you could get maybe an extra two or $3 million by settling with judge or settling with Sanchez or settling with uh, some of these other lower guys. Like you can make up a couple million bucks there. Yeah. As long as uh, Garrett Cole gets your, your projection too. Either way, you're going to... And as far as luxury tax, even if you go over for 2020, next year, Tanaka's coming off the books. Ellsbury's coming off the books. In my plan, LeMahieu is coming off the books. And like I would still re-sign LeMahieu, but you're go- you would be going under, again, you would immediately go under the top penalty next year because of all those guys coming off. And eventually, you're going to need money to sign Judge and to sign Gary Sanchez, maybe, and to sign Glaber Torres. Yeah. You're right. Glaber Torres is league minimum right now. Mm-hmm. That's not going to last for long. Yeah. He might be. That's why Garrett, that's why he, paying Garrett, Glaber that's why Torres, paying Garrett Cole like, 30, $32 million for seven years is going to be a problem for the rest of it. I just think I'd rather spend $32 million on a horse than $20 million on a pony. Yeah, but you're, what you're talking about is um, you're talking out of both sides of your mouth because you're talking about winning now but also having to resign those other guys. You have to think the uh, – you have you to are, consider I just that. said I am. And that's why. Well, I, no, I, I think having Garrett exactly, Cole in there for 30, 30, 31 to 34 64. to $35 million is a big deal. Not signing some of, one of those or two of those guys. I think it definitely plays $64 million, into it. $64 million comes off the books after 2020. That's a lot of money. Is that including LeMahieu? Tanaka, Ellsbury, LeMahieu, and Hap. Ellsbury. So fine. Back out LeMahieu if you want to re-sign him. What if Hap, had, what if, still, what if Hap has a phenomenal year? Well, I'm trading J Hap. <laughs> By hook or by crook, I'm getting him out of here because he's an anchor on them. But I don't see a, a, a way in uh, any way in hell. J Hap is on the Yankees in 2021. No, it's that option probably will not get uh, picked up. Um, so, so let's talk about some of this other yeah. stuff. So we, I think, it, I find it interesting. We're both moving on from DD Dellen and Bird, and you're moving on from Romine, but that's a that's a lower level piece. Moving on from DD, moving on on from Dellen, moving on from Dellen for me was tough. But when you look at the numbers and look at the bullpen, he's 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 a luxury in the bullpen. So these were these were really hard situ- these were really hard decisions because I love them both. I love Didi and I love Dylan Batantis. Um, I like Romine. I like Romine a lot. I think I think all three of these guys. Bird, we got rid of. We didn't originally. I'll tell you this. Originally, we we had Bird on the team. Then you saw he's making one point two million dollars. No, year. I didn't so much see that. I just I said uh, I said this on Twitter at one point. I said if Bird walks in with a mullet and a mustache, I'm on, I'm on board. 
And well, and he can't. That's not regulation. That is regulation. You can absolutely do that. You can walk in with you a, can mullet. Have a mullet. Yeah, for sure. It has to be above your well, shoulders. What kind of? Yeah, above your shoulders. That's not really a mullet because like you how consider it what Garrett Cole. Like how it isn't. It depends how it's shaped, Andrew. It depends how it's shaped. If you look, <laughs> do you consider what Garrett Cole all had you have in the to, playoffs? Look, this is this is all you have to do. Just look back at Don Don Mattingly pictures. That's it. That's it. Just that. Um, so if you go back. And you and Greg Bird can I bet Greg Bird has a little pencil. If Greg Bird like a, is like a creepy German, if Greg Bird pulled in any uh, pulled off that type of look and was able to had the confidence to walk in the clubhouse. I, to me, I would think the guy's different, but he's not. He's not going to come in with the mullet. He's not going to come in with the mustache. And you know what? I'm done dealing with first base. I'm done dealing with the with with the uncertainty of first base ever since Mark Teixeira. I've we've been going on uh, on a guy uh, a new guy every year. Maybe this guy, maybe seven this years guy, maybe that guy, maybe this guy. I'm done with it. I wanted to sign this seven guy years. last year, Mike Moustakis. I wanted to sign him last year. They should have signed him. I still think they should have signed him. Would have been a great bat, lefty bat, fits in beautifully. Again, so reasonably priced. OBP highest uh, in his career was last year, and the guy slots in nicely. He also adds the flexibility that we lose by losing Didi. He can play second base. He played a lot of second base in Milwaukee last year. He can play some first base. Hasn't played first base a lot. Has the ability to. Can play third base. He's he's a guy that that you want to talk about lefty swings, balancing the lineup out. That's a guy that can uh, project uh, to the to the meat of the the lineup itself. So I, I just want to be done with it. Mustakas, you keep Voit, so... you keep Voit, and you add Mustakas. You have a nice lefty righty thing going on there. And, um, and you know, you just, you also have a winner. You have a guy that has won with the Kansas City Royals, a guy that has taken a, a Milwaukee team and made them better. And just that he's just that nails kind of guy, man, that I think the Yankees would Yankees fans would absolutely love to get behind. He, he was OK last year. So he had a 348 weighted on base average and a 113 WRC plus. Um, it's it's not bad. And he he doesn't walk a lot, but he still makes had a lot a of contact. Yeah, yeah, a decent contact rate. And, OBP uh, of three thirty plus, sixteen, three twenty nine, sixteen point eight percent strikeout rate. Like that, yeah, that's good. S- solid player. Um, you, what did you sign him for? Ten million? Yeah, ten million. He had an option that was denied. I think for eleven or twelve million this this year for Milwaukee. See, this is what they did last year, and I mean they got Lemayhu for twelve million dollars, so obviously it worked out, but. They for they they passed on the bigger free agents and signed some some second rate guys and I think now is the time to pass on those second rate guys and go for the big guys because I think even without Mustakas and without Didi their infield sh- is still in good shape. Yeah, I mean but that's not affecting. See, the Mustakas didn't affect me signing Cole. I, I, again, I think Cole's more money than you're Why? putting on if there. If you if you take if you take Mustakas at ten and Wheeler at twenty, you're almost at Cole. Right. And I would rather have Cole than Wheeler and Moustakas. I just don't think they're going to get that. I, I don't think they're going to get that close. It's to the, not what, the, the, it's to not the what you think. To the th- this is what you want to do. It's both. It's both. I'm considering both. I don't think they're going to get that t- t- that close to the tax threshold. I think they want that flexibility. All we've seen from the Yankees over the past years is that they want to add flexibility. They want to add flexibility. They want to continue to keep flexibility. They have to keep it. If they don't keep it, all hell breaks loose. This gives them that flexibility as well. Also gives them a nail. Cashman doesn't bat. want to be tied down. And the other thing, he's like a free. He's a free bird. The, he needs to fly. He needs to spread his wings. The other thing that we're that we both look at and we look at Wheeler and what he's done with the Mets, we think that Matt Blake can get much better Zach Wheeler, and we could potentially get a guy that has much higher ceiling, uh, because when he came up, he was that type of guy. 
but can get a much higher ceiling. And now we're getting a significant value at a guy for six years because he's got the talent. He's definitely there with that. <clears throat> I mean, six years is also not a short contract. You're right. It's a long You're contract, right, but it's certainly that's oh, it's, it's, I it's think at six least years 10 million is more than what he's projected to get. We, we use the, um, I used it under the money, but I was, I was using Corbin as precedent hmm. because Corbin yeah. had one good year. Wheeler's shown that he's been healthy for two, had a good How year last year. I think he's 29. He's 29. Yeah. So, and he wouldn't have to move. He wouldn't have to move cities. So his furniture will still be here. That was a Stanton problem. That was a Stanton problem. Um, some other, so one of, so your rotation then has uh hap as the fifth starter with competition coming my rotation has montgomery as the fifth starter with competition coming because the lemay the guy i traded for lemay you didn't make any trades why, why didn't you make any trades um so we were gonna make trades we were looking at the trades and, and just the value there you know that's that's you're looking at your big trade pieces your big trade pieces right now you have some you have some pit, some pitching like the the um gills the medinas of the world like to me, those are nice pieces, but you have to package them. Um, then you have Frazier, Andujar, and Florial. All three of those. I don't think Ant- Andujar doesn't have value right now. All three of those guys. That's my point. All three of these guys are are coming off negative value seasons. They're coming off of uh, of down years, whether it's injury or off the field stuff or on the field stuff that became off the field stuff. You're just dealing with a lot of things that are that are not high value. Cashman does not like to trade guys at at lower value. He just doesn't like to do it. So I think that he's going to build the assets. Get them more, get them back to where they can be tradable assets. And now, in our in our plan, we have flexibility to add at the deadline. We can add some salary if we need to for the year, still stay under, and get and potentially build up assets with the way that they're going to play, and get that value back so that we can bring on more people. Yours, if you're staying under, you, if you have any of these trade values, you're going to be up against that cap, so might hinder hinder you in what you do. I'm dying here. Yeah. <clears throat> that that's yeah the, i listen i i didn't love the fact that i was so close up against the i'm surprised the cap, i was very but, surprised when i saw that when i saw that number but i want cole so badly i know i think cole i think cole this <laughs> off season in my mind is is unsuccessful for the yankees if they don't get garrett cole yeah because they they they're they, they so close to a world series they can taste it and i think garrett cole puts him over the top i don't think zach wheeler does so yeah, but that's either what, one that, of them don't, don't help the team uh, hitting with runners in scoring position, which is why they lost the no, ALCS. It doesn't. So, but it doesn't. But you know who but, does? Mike Rustakis. But also, if they if they had another pitcher, maybe uh, Chad Green doesn't open on fumes in Game Six. Like, there's a lot of different factors you can point to. It's not you can't just look at it in a vacuum. Like, there's other things that happen over the course Absolutely. of 162. Oh, games. I hate, you know I hate you know I hate the way that they approach their pitching. You know I can't stand it. I cannot stand it. I want them to have more uh, dependence on the starting pitching. And I just don't, so whether, I don't think they build it that way. First of all, that's problem number one. They're not curated this way, these guys, even though they have the ability to. I don't like that. How about we tweak the numbers so that they can be effective against the rotate the lineup third time around? Hey, nerds, how about figure that equation out instead of saying, no, they're not good. How about we figure out how they are going to be good? That's why guys like Matt Blake are there. Because the nerds are like, yeah, they're not good against the third time. Matt Blake's like, oh, yeah? Look at this, this and that. Technology says if we do this, that, and this, they can be good against the third time. So now we're competing with the nerds. That's my thing. I want the nerd number two to win. And that's why I like Matt Blake. 
All right. yeah, the last you piece guys... was, was uh, Salazar, who was like, yeah. you know, one of these guys that was coming up with Cleveland, who was uh, all world. Everybody thought he was going to be great. I think 2016 playoffs. Um, but he's been just destroyed by injuries. So I mean, that's just a flyer. You're it's a flyer, a flyer. Yeah, it's one of those guys that you know we were looking in the Cleveland system at a guy that could potentially do that because I do believe he's going to dip into there a little bit. Um, and he was the guy. Cool. You guys heard both plans. Let us know which one you like better or what you would do differently. And Scott, I think, I think Frank and I won. I think that's, that's clear because we got the best player on the market, and yeah, that's going to be the difference. Yeah, I mean, you, you went after the the number one player, and you're going to try to get. Go, you'll you'll definitely sell it as that. Okay. I, I, look, hey, I hope they get Garrett Cole. I hope they do. I just don't think they will, and that definitely played into my plan. All right. Thanks for listening, guys. We will talk to you next week. Send in your mailbag questions for next week. We haven't done mailbags in a few weeks. I want to get those going. BronxPinstripes.com slash podcast. We'll talk to you then. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.